Next Chapter Podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Five, six, seven, if you don't want to go to Fist City, what, me? Go buy my ski-ba-doo. Because I bet you buy the ski-ba-doo, and I'll ski-ba-doo your time. Best part of the song. This is Saint, because he ain't. Fist City by Loretta Lynn, everybody, from her 2002 compilation, All Time Greatest Hits. It's also number 497 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. What's up, everybody? Fleece Army, how you feeling this week? You guys good? Because the king of fleece is living his best life. I'm living my best life. Thank you for joining me in the only podcast that's going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums of all tizzle. I hope you guys paid for your Spotify's because we go in deep. Uh, I know I say it every week. Thank you guys for tuning in. It's a big deal to me. Uh, I love each and every one of you. And for everybody doing the Instagram stories, do it again. We're riding deep, y'all. We're going to take it to the next level. Do an Instagram story, guys. Take a screenshot of how you're listening to the 500 and tag me at Josh Adam Myers and hashtag the 500 podcast. Give me a 24 hour ad on your social media and I'll love you forever, guys. I'm trying to get the word out. So give me that 24 hour ad on your Instagram stories. My guest this week is stand up comic and actor Jenny Segrino. She is a dear friend of mine and one of the funniest people I know. Maybe you know her from her movies Fifty Shades of Black, Bad Santa 2, How About Her Half Hour on Comedy Central, or maybe, most recently, you've seen her on Conan. And when it came to picking a guest, it just made sense. Because Jenny and Loretta have lives that kind of intersect. Now let's talk about Loretta for a second. The first thing I want to do is have all of you forget the preconceived notion that you might have 
of us reviewing an album by a corny female country singer from the 60s and 70s. But that's not who Loretta is. Loretta is one of the most badass female musical artists. Not only did she sing things that other women just thought and kept to themselves, but she did it at a time before it was accepted and acceptable. You're also going to hear a lot about her duets with Conway Twitty, where she fell back into the more traditional role of the vulnerable female. But Loretta, she's a tough cookie, man. Born a coal miner's daughter in Butcher Hollow, Kentucky, and having a 60-year career span so far, there's a reason she not only received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Obama, but also had the White Stripes dedicate their album White Blood Cells to her. Jack White knew. He knew how much of a badass this woman is. That's why he produced her 39th hit record, Van Leer Rose, because he wanted to turn her on to newer generations. And guess what? I got turned on. Never listened to her. Now I'm a fan. Don't forget to listen to the end of the podcast where we spotlight a new artist that was directly influenced by Loretta Lynn. Also, rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500, guys. Please review it. Review it, review it, do it, do it. Come on and review it and maybe subscribe. Come on and review it. Come on and subscribe. Leave a five-star rating, but review it. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, nothing left to do but say, here we go. With number 478 out of 500 with all-time greatest hits by Loretta Lynn. Well, so I was born a Chinese green. And I came from Minnesota, Chinese a green. You're doing great. I don't want you to stop. <clears throat> tell me, did you listen to country music when you were growing up? No. Can I tell you the irony of you asking me to do this Please. podcast? Is I have a song about how much, or a, a song. I have a joke about not liking country music. Oh, explain. Okay. So I don't like modern country music. So any of like stuff, let's say 1999 up, not here for it. But 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s. Here for all of it. I think that'd be the exact same way. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there's a big difference between, because I've talked to a lot of people about this, is yeah. that there is a huge difference between, you know, it's just like hip hop a long time ago and hip hop now. Like, yeah. there is something about the people that were living in the Bronx when, you know, and they're, they're just, they're dealing with the government and they're dealing with being poor. And, and it's the same thing with country is that a lot of these country artists that are on this list you know because they're not putting like country girl shake it for me girl <laughs> down on the crawl with the critters in the crawls and the he baba and ski we're getting our skis out and going <laughs> mud tooting gonna toot some mud getting that mud yeah <laughs> but but there's there's something about <laughs> hank williams and there's something about merle haggard which is coming up and then then our artist today which is loretta lynn like yeah like i told everybody last week i was like like, this is a 
this is a, a companion piece. This isn't just an album. This is you should watch the movie Coal Miner's Daughter. Yeah. Because it explains everything about this album. So wait, so let's so back to you with country music. So like what what like give me a brief synopsis of what you did listen to then. Um just in general country music? Of anything. Uh, so okay. I was thinking about this uh in the way on the way here. Um I don't listen specifically to genres. I just get super focused on a song or an album and like that's it and that'll be what I listen to. Nonstop until I literally cannot hear it anymore. Yeah. And like, I don't know what it is. There are certain songs that when I hear them, there is like a chord or a progression that shakes my core and it, it shakes. Sticks like, with I, you? It sticks. I feel it in my guts. I feel it in my spine. I feel Same it way. like in my lower chakra. We'll just put it there. Sure, man. I'm all yeah. about dude. I got crystals there. Chakra? I got a little Buddha. I got a... Got an air purifier yeah. on. Come on, man. <laughs> I get it, but there's just something about some like certain songs, and it's just like I think I've always kind of been this contradiction. So like being a very uh, troubled, you know, teenager, I was listening to you know metal and new metal and just like terrible music. Cut but my then, life into pieces. This, this is my last resort. Assassination. I'm breathing. There is a photo of me with Papa Roach somewhere. <laughs> but at the same time, like I would be listening to that and dressed in like hot topic clothing. But then in my oh. car, I would be listening to Frank Sinatra. And I loved it. <laughs> I loved like I would listen to like all these 1940s like old singers and like mob See that girl in those jinkos shit? over there? Yeah, to knock on her window. And it's like, <laughs> when the clock strikes, eh, fly me to the moon. Let me play among <laughs> Leave me alone, Mom. Yes, that's my eyeliner. God. Uh, Mom, t- you didn't show up with mob hits like I asked you to. God. You right, don't so, love me. So then what so then what did you know about Loretta Lynn? Let's get let's get into that. I had I had actually watched the movie years ago. Yeah. And I really liked it. And uh I knew Coal Miner's daughter and I'd always kind of been like on the sides of I liked old country because it also coincided with like old the the sixties music that I liked listening to. Um or like the Americana I liked listening to. <laughs> I love your talk so much. Um, like a... And I guess I didn't really know too much about her other hits. And then I listened to this album, and I'd been kind of slowly, like, after doing that joke about hating country, I was like, I should probably listen to, like, more of the old stuff. And when I went to, I went to, like, a arts high school, so like, everyone was into Cash. And I remember when Cash died, like people were in black at my school. Like all these 16 and 17 year olds were mourning the death of Johnny Cash. Yeah. And so I started listening to Johnny Cash. Um, and like early, I was into like very early Elvis, which I kind of consider country. What do you think? Johnny Cash? No, early Elvis. Early like Elvis. Very I mean, early. It's like rockabilly. To be honest with you, I've never really listened to a lot of Elvis Presley besides like the hit stuff, you know? Yeah. Like the leg shake and stuff that he did. And like, like I really, I just don't know Elvis. Hence why I'm doing this podcast. Yeah. I'm hoping there's an album where I get to really listen to him and absorb him. I, I, my appreciation for country was very limited growing up. Like I've said in the podcast before, I was all grunge. Yeah. Was, it was, it was hair metal. 
Then, then I had like a hip hop influence where I was like, you know, I was hanging out with like, with like uh, Tyrone and and Aaron Briones, and and we were just, I was so, uh, I was a wigger. I'll say Beautiful. it. I was a hundred percent like, you know, I, I just big I, white t-shirts. I had lines in my, in my eyebrows and that shit's coming back. You could do it. Yeah. I was, no, no, it's not for me. Dude, look <laughs> at me now. <laughs> look at me. I'm slowly turning into, you could teach the young ones. I'm slowly turning into an old Jewish man. Like I'm just my, I'm like, <laughs> your I, Motley crew. Sure. Uh, I still live it. No, but this is no. the thing is that I is, is what I here's the thing is that is that country I always looked on as just like, you know, and I and I hate what I'm about to say, but I looked at it as like this is not like smart music. I didn't yeah. look at it like it was it was musically advanced. I just thought it was, you know, for country people. I really did. Yeah. And as time went on, I remember I found Hank Williams and because uh, I, I worked for this DJ company called Ultrasound DJs and they were like the guys that ran the company were like super old school and uh, they made this CD for me that had all these like great like 50s like dinner music songs yeah. for weddings so it had like the Frank Sinatra <laughs> and then it also had like Jambalaya yeah. and I remember hearing Jambalaya by Hank Williams and just being blown away by it it was so catchy it was so fun and so I started listening to Hank Williams and then as time went on I started getting into like alt country like the hip country the Ryan Adams the Wilco okay things like that and I see I don't know I would call I would have called Wilco indie I just would have called him straight up indie instead of like indie country. Huge country influence. Yeah. Huge. I mean, there's a lot of the the indie music comes from country. So now where I, I feel like I'm at I'm at the most well rounded uh yeah. I've ever been musically in what I listen to. Um and and now knowing like more about punk rock, like this I wouldn't call this or Loretta Lynn outlaw country. But there, like I said earlier, there's something about her that you know she is being raw. Yeah, she's being real. She's being honest. She came from nothing, like yeah. nothing. I dude, I was weeping watching Coal Miner's Daughter. It, it, I loved Sissy Spacek and how she portrayed her as the most adorable human being. And especially after you listen to that song, Coal Miner's Daughter, that's that's like her, you know. Her, like, the message, it's like her, like, you know, just, you know, talking about, like, growing up on the streets, but her streets were being poor in Kentucky with yeah. no money, and her dad literally killing himself just to give them shoes once a year, and, and, and the mo- they had no electricity, they had nothing, and, and I love this woman's story and I love her music because now it's like I can hear how many people were influenced by Loretta Lynn and I can hear like exactly how important she was and it's just it's just like this is I'm finding that as I'm getting older like you were talking about new country versus old country new country is garbage it's garbage music it's pop it's not country well this is what I was thinking about is in some of the Loretta Lynn songs you can actually hear pop music of the 60s coming through sure rated right, x like rated x rated yes. x is like oh, exactly and, and then there's like a little like a little Beatles twang in there yeah you, you can hear that stuff so that i was like okay this is like uh her kind of going into a little bit of more of a pop feel to it but i feel like the country nowadays it, it does it goes to a base level with people while i feel like the old country music really dealt with yeah, it was like poor country folk in some of these songs, but it was still dealing with like 
true emotions that everyone can relate to about like love and losing love or you know there's um like on the album like uh, we'll get into it but like uh when she's talking about the uh when the tingle becomes a chill of like losing love and not understanding why which is something like i resonated with so much yeah of just that's been like the story of every relationship is just like i just fall out and i'm like no why you're supposed to be perfect and i can't control this and like it's all these emotions that everyone no matter what can relate to but meanwhile new country is just like i can't relate to like your tractor fun times I feel like country now is 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 just a formula. It is yeah. every guy has a it's not cowboy hats anymore, it's baseball hats. Yes. You know, they they literally look like, you know, whatever guy made that popular, they're just imitating yeah. that. And and what I love about Hank and Merle and Waylon and Willie and all oh, I've the people. Oh, I started listening to a lot of Waylon Jennings. Incredible. Ugh, there's a song. It. There's a song that I sent to Burr uh, because me and Burr are really starting to get into country right now because of this. Yeah. Like, I was doing a Merle Haggard record, which I'm doing next. Uh, I think in like a couple weeks. And I'm getting ready for it. And I sent him this song. It's like Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson. It's it's like, uh, put down the cocaine. No more weed, baby. No more opiates and no more whiskey, too. And it's just so fucking real. Yeah. And I love it. That's their like love song. They're like, I'm putting down all these drugs for you. Because I love you so much, baby. But let's stay focused. All right, so let's. our album is 478 out of 500. It is the all-time greatest hits by Loretta Lynn, released on May 23rd, 2002, and recorded between February 26th, 1964, and February 3rd, 1978. So, so uh had you ever heard Loretta before besides the movie? Or did you ever listen? That was your only. It was Coal Miner's Daughter. Yeah. yeah. So that was your your introduction yeah. to her. Yeah. And it was it was like years ago. I think my dad made me watch it, which uh, my dad and I love old movies together. So that's one thing that we share. So I me think. And the, me and my father, the same thing. Yeah. So yeah. we watched. I mean, we used to like my best memories are like uh, getting a bowl of popcorn and just spending the night in and watching like Arsenic and Old Lace. Right? Just like... On the original AMC. Yes! Yes! That was what we did. We did the original AMC. I remember watching Saboteur with my family. I remember my dad showed me Rebel Without a Cause, West Side Story, showed me The Godfather, A Clockwork Orange, and that was how I connected with my dad because me and my father didn't connect about a lot of things, but we had art. We had music, and we had films. My father... Don't know if he disliked country or not. It just wasn't in my household. So, so really, when when I asked you to listen to this, this was your first foray into into like big like listening overall. Yeah, I mean, with my dad, it was very he was very much the stuff he listened to was like the Beatles, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Yeah, um, very more like that seventies, you know, bluegrassy stuff. I guess would it be called bluegrassy? Like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. That's uh, I think that's that's soft rock, yeah, or Americana rock. It's very you know, it's like (laughs) 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 I love that you just don't care about lyrics. (laughs) I don't know him. And neither do I. I don't know. Him. But I know exactly what you're saying. But I do know him now because of this. <laughs> this is something that that's really like helping me out is that by doing this podcast is that like because I study the lyrics yeah. as you'll see in a moment. Um, 
and and so I'm starting to know actual like yeah. it's making me actually want to respect the song and not just make up like ski ba ba do skin do do yeah but that is fun it is fun um my so this was really my first uh experience with, with Loretta with Loretta and, how did you how did you find it uh didn't think I was gonna like it at first and okay. by the end of it I I'm in love with her I wanted to buy tickets to go to her birthday party thing that was tonight. I didn't realize it was now. I thought it was in a couple months, but yeah. we're actually recording this on the date of her big birthday. I think it's her 84th oh birthday. Oh my gosh. Happy birthday, Loretta. Happy birthday, girl. But I just fell in love with her and I fell in love with, with almost every song on here. And this album just completely... Uh, it, it touched me, it spoke to me, it is making me a stronger country music fan, I feel like it's making me a better person, uh, because I, I, like I said at the beginning, it's like, I love that, that American dream story, which yeah. is... She was born in, in Kentucky in, uh, in Butcher Holler, and you know her father worked in the coal mines. She had a big family, and when she turned 14, she met Doolittle, uh, who was basically a womanizing alcoholic who uh, married her yeah. very, very early. And then he moved to Washington State, got her away from the family. That part in the movie almost killed me yeah. when she had when her father, who played by Levon Helm, uh, was at her was at the train station, <laughs> and she he's like, maybe the train's not coming, and you know, she's like, there it is, Daddy, and then I was like, fuck. <laughs> But it all had to happen that way. And then yeah. she goes to Washington and she, by the time she, this is, this is her fucking life, dude. By the time she is 18 years old, yeah. she has four kids, Ugh. four kids and they're living in Washington and he, and her husband hears her sing and he goes, he goes, all right, well he goes and gets drunk. At least it's in the movie. He gets drunk and he buys her instead of buying her a wedding ring, which he never bought her. He buys yeah. her a guitar. And and it was like a fourteen dollar. Yeah, it was. It was from. Yeah. It's from. That's actually a fact. I think it was like a seventeen dollar guitar. And and she's like, I don't know. What am I gonna do with this? I don't know how to play no guitar. And he's just like, Well, you always sing. Why don't you go and learn something? And then as then there's like montage. It's like the alcoholic with a heart of gold. Heart of gold. Like, yeah, dude. Like I love you, but I'm incapable of doing it. Uh, and then he fucking then then and then it's a montage of her like 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 taking care of the kids and playing songs. Yeah. And and then he they go to some some live performance thing. They're having like a hoedown and she goes up super nervous and just fucking kills it. And then it's off to the races. They cut a track and from the track, like it goes from like, I remember like he's, he's got shitty musicians in the recording yeah. studio. And then the guy hears her voice. He goes, hold up for a second. We got to get different musicians. And, and, and dude's like, I can't afford no different musicians. He goes, I'm going to pay for him. This girl got talent. <laughs> And then it's they make that record. They go they go on the road to radio station and her adorable like you know that they called it that like that southern charm, but that southern nativity where she's just like you know well I know you're eating crawfish blah 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 and just saying the most like country bumpkin esque shit. These people fell in love with her, and then she goes to the Grand Old Opry. They love her so much they invite her back. She does eighteen straight like weeks. And then Whoa. she meets Patsy Cline, and then they go on the road together. And then it's she starts writing songs. And what I love so much about her throughout it is, as as Dew mistreats her, yeah, she she's a tough bitch, man. She might she fights back, but what I love the most about her, she's like, you know what, you know, if you're gonna you're gonna cheat on me, you're gonna do all this stuff. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you anymore. 
I'm just going to take it out in song. And yeah. she wrote these songs and performed these songs as like a fuck you to her. Like really, I want to say horrible. They loved each other, but man, was that a tumultuous relationship? Him cheating on her, him being, I don't want to say being a dick, but there's some facts at the end that 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 I think we're really going to enjoy. And also when we as we go through the songs now, uh, we'll be able to find out more about how fucking tough of a woman yeah. she was. All right, so let's dive into the record. So this opens with Wine, Women, and Song. Great. Great song. You liked it? Yeah. All right. Ve- wine, Women, <laughs> and Song. I love... I sh- that's the thing about country is that I just really love that you can hear all the accents in everything, which I love, and then... It's just, it's very belty, but also like very, like her voice is very belty, but also very soft and sweet Yes, at the same time. Yeah. What I loved about this is this is what I wrote when I first heard it. I was wrote, cute song. That's what I wrote. <laughs> I wrote, cute song. Peter, uh, play minute one, second 41. All right. The opening line of this song, I think, says it all. Okay. Well, well I'm at home working and slaving this way. You're out misbehaving, spending all of your pay on wine, women, and song. Now, this was a 1964 honky-tonk country number uh, one written by Betsy Sue Perry and was Loretta Lynn's highest chart topper up until that point. And if you listen to it, it's just this peppy little country song. But it's also a cautionary tale of respecting and prioritizing your lady or she's going to split. And that's, that's true. And that's basically. Stepping out, as I call it. Stepping out. Fuck yeah, dude. And this is a major theme that you have going on throughout a lot of Loretta's career. Because she was, like I said, this long-suffering wife and girlfriend who was done being fucked over. Yeah. Um, we already spoke about her getting married to Doolittle, you know. Despite his heavy drinking and cheating and domestic abuses, they were together for 50 years, as some people call it, one of the hardest love stories ever. I mean, I don't know. I I get it, but also, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, well, if it's really shitty, maybe go. I, I, you know what? I think that I, she was, she was, she had that very country, you know, essence, which is like, you make it work. We have four kids. But also, kids. you've been married since you were 14. You don't know any other way. But that's the thing. That's all she knew. Yeah. And there was a love there, man. There's no career yeah. without, without him. And, and she knows, it's almost, I think, like what my mom did with my dad, which is like, if I let go of him, yeah. he's going to die. He's gonna die alone, yeah. and he's gonna live in a fucking shanty and like the, on the, on the outskirts <laughs> he's of town. Capable of caring for himself. That's what my mom used to say. Yeah. My mom literally, my they hated each other, you know, for the last ten years, and it was just I was like, Mom, why don't you just get divorced? And she's like, What am I gonna do? He's gonna be living <laughs> in an apartment, a studio apartment, in the other side of town. He needs me, and, and and I do love him, but I mean, it was just like, all right, well then you can't blame yeah. anybody but yourself when you know when. You like she is now, where she's like, Oh my god, it's like, you know what your father did to me? I go, Yeah, but you could have left. I had a babysitter when I was uh growing up, like, she basically, since I was a baby till even now, like, I still talk to her. Yeah, she was married to this guy. I mean, every day she just hated him so much. She stabbed him one time, like, hated this man till the day he died. They were married like 40 years, he dies. She immediately goes and picks up an affair she had in the 70s 
with this guy wow. and is now together with this guy. And I'm just like, that's a great love story, but also so incredibly sad. Yeah. You lived your life with like this horrible person you hated so much, regardless if they were bad or not, you hated them. And then they die, and then you're like, well, now I can live. Like, But it, it ends good. That's why it's good. doesn't make a difference when you make that change. Yeah. If you make that change, it, it could be 90 years old, and if you're on your deathbed like, I'm with the person that I was meant to be with, the rest of your life, it doesn't me- make any difference. You found it. I live in regret all the time. Well, I don't we're think gonna, so. Well, let's ask this. Have you ever, do you add, just to go along with this song, have you, uh, have any experience dating any drinkers or womanizers? Yes. Um, so my first boyfriend, so I, had, I had my first boyfriend when I was 19. I was uh, kind of, not a late bloomer, but very insecure. And no, I get uh, it. I, my first real girlfriend wasn't until, I think, my 20s. Yeah. And uh, they, you know, again, I don't doubt that they didn't, that they, didn't love me that they loved me i know they did they just were incapable of it and they were a pretty big like alcoholic big personality i think i was very drawn to that because i wanted that Mm -hmm. so i wanted to be i wanted to have the charisma that they had and so um but most that charisma was when they were drunk and then they would cheat on me and like do just awful things and i mean they were they would drink like a bottle of wine a night and I remember one time we got in this fight. It was after I'd find out he had cheated me, cheated on me with my best friend at the time. Oh, and, my God. <laughs> yeah. And then I left. I was like, I'm going to my mom's. And um, he was so drunk that night. We had a loft bed and he had to throw up. And he was like, oh, there's the garbage can is down there. I'll just throw up there. So I came home in the morning and there was like red everywhere. I thought it was blood. It turns out that he just vomited red wine. Merlot. Yeah, Merlot <laughs> off the side of the bed into what he, he thought. Was a, he was a classy drunk. He was yeah. a connoisseur. He's just like, oh, it's down. Uh, it's right there. I'll be able to do it. And then it just sprayed over everything in that in the room, in that little corner. So I like came home to like him passed on the bed, Merlot vomit on the walls, on the floor, not anywhere in that garbage can that he thought was below. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck happened? And he's like, oh. I, uh, yeah, sorry about that. And then I was like, man, this is over. And then I stayed for six more months. Would you, was it, and this is the follow-up question, was was he very manipulating, or do you have another time more where you were more manipulated by a lover? Because that's basically what the song is about. Um, I think, I think it was manipulative in the fact of, like, if you're going to be shitty, let me go. Which I think is a, I think is a thing that a lot of, relationships go through is like we assume that we're not responsible for the other person's feelings in a way we're like well they're still here so you know i'm just gonna be me and they just have to deal with it and it's like but no there are people who just you have to be responsible for them if you're a piece of shit and you know you are then like let them go and be happy so i feel like with that one i was very much um kept in the relationship because i wasn't strong enough to leave and they knew that did you ever have a, a more manipulative relationship? Or? Oh, yeah. That's the next one. That's the next one? Yeah. Why was he so manipulative? Um, uh, He was a comic. Oh. And... Never a good idea. Never a good idea. And um, wouldn't let me tell anyone we were dating for a year. And, like, you know, I would have to, like, wait outside the house while our friends were in his apartment watching movies and then like when they left I could come back and I could come into the house to like hang out and uh 
they were just um you know would say about how if we if we told anyone it would ruin our careers and like you know, I would find out later through text that they were um, taking shows and asking their friends not to tell me about shows and things like that. Just like really manipulative shit. And then telling me that like, oh, we're going to get married in two years. And I'm like, but you won't even tell people we're dating. And then um, I think they were cheating on me towards the end of it. And then we're just waiting for me to like to leave. Wow. Yeah. How long ago was that? Was, I was like 21 to 22. When did you start stand up? 21. Oh, okay. So it's your first year. That yeah. kind of happens Actually, in the first year. 22 to 23, that, I think. That happens yeah. in the first year. It's like a lot of us don't understand, like, you know, we're just like, no, I can just, I can, this is, we're all hanging out. So it's never going to get awkward. Yeah, and this, it's, is, it's, this is great. Yeah. We're all buds here, right? We, I can do casual. Casual's great. I love casual. I don't need commitment of any kind. I can hide. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Just in the bush, wait like, for you. You want me to wait for you? Oh, can I tell you the, so, um, Go ahead. our, uh, I had this big dramatic thing where I was like, at the end, I was like going to destroy the record that was like our record on vinyl. And what I was, was like, it? Um, um, I think it was the Antlers. I didn't even like it. I did not like that album. Antlers. I don't know that. Oh, one. it's very like ethereal hipster. Like, ooh, there's bells in the background, and like, I was like, yeah, okay, sure. I guess this is our album. Cool. And um. In this dramatic form, I took the album and I was like going to snap it in half, but vinyl's very strong. And so I'm like on the <laughs> edge, like <laughs> struggling to like break this record in half. Like I'm bending it. You piece of shit. <laughs> like, Hold been, on. It, wait, wait here. Don't move. And like <laughs> putting it over my knee and it won't bend, like it won't break. And yeah. then finally, after a good 30 seconds, well, he's just standing there like, hmm. Okay, can I go in now? And I'm like, no! You're trying to say fuck you to him. Yeah, I That's, broke it and I threw it at him. Which is actually what the next song is about. Happy yeah. birthday. I love this one. Do you? Why do you like it so oh, much? Oh, because it's just like, oh, well, you're going to go hang out with her? Well, I hope she has a good time making you a birthday cake because, bitch, I'm out. I love that. And, yeah. and what I love about happy birthday is this is just a complete... It's just go, say go fuck yourself. Just go fuck you. Go fuck yourself. I'm out. Peter, play minute one, second 36. All right. This I have for- a question for you Please. about this one. Okay. So have you ever, um, after you've broken up with someone and they have someone else, have they ever still come to you to been like, to be like an emotional yeah. thing for you? Yeah. I, um, the, I think I'd, I'd say probably, I've only had three real girlfriends yeah and uh one of them i'm still i'm, I'm kind of close with all three of them uh but one of them uh who's married to tommy lee now yeah uh she would uh like you know she would like vent to me about how other guys that would, weren't treating her well and you're just like you're just, i'm just like dude like what i i don't you're dating actors and directors yeah. and things like that like you know if you maybe if you pick people that aren't in the business that oh, don't have these huge egos yeah but i owe that to her because she was there for me she was such a great girlfriend um for a lot of reasons and also then there were the reasons that we didn't work but yeah. uh and i'm not blaming her at all because she tried her best and i tried my best at the time that was all we could do but she was there for when my father passed yeah. and because of that I'll be tight with it. Didn't even really make a difference if the, the relationship ended really bad, like in a yeah. shitty way, like her leaving me for somebody else. But um, because of that, 
that month that she was there for me, like I love her forever. It's yeah. like it was, you know, she really, really took control. It was very sweet. Um, so yeah, so she'll she'll still like hit me up. It might be even on social media. It's just like you know, are these people they? I think people are are saying you know bad shit about me, and I'm I'm just like, dude, you post all these memes that are like, you know, <laughs> you know, ignore all the haters. I'm like, listen to that. Listen to that. Yeah. All I do is, and that's, I do that for a lot of people. I don't, not just ex-girlfriends. I, anybody, I, people come to me because I've been through shit and yeah. I'm so, in such a good place that they're like, how did you do it? And I'm just like, you just forget it. You just have to keep moving forward. And work be hard. A, work hard. Be a good person. Like, that's it. But this song is about saying fuck you. Written in 1965 by Roy Kitson. It is her fuck off song. Um, have you ever one been broken up with before a major gift giving holiday? I've never been broken up with. I've, I've done all the breaking. Have you, have you broken up with somebody before a major gift giving holiday? Um, probably. And then we probably just got right back together because that's my pattern. (laughs) Yeah. That's the pattern is I break up about six months in. I'm like, I can't do this. Break up. Wait like a week. Get together again. Then it lasts another two years. (laughs) Until I move across the country. And that's just been it. That's just the way it is. You're I have to leave. What? Yeah, you have to get out. I have to literally be physically away from them or else I will go back no matter what. Okay, well, what is your biggest uh, and most liberating fuck-off moment that you've said to a guy? Or, like, have you done any huge, like, you motherfucker? Um, <sighs> man, I don't, I don't think I have. I think I've always been pretty, like, internal in my... Um, in the breakup is like, I just turn on it. I just turn inside and then I just internalize everything. Like, I mean, the record was like my biggest thing, but yeah. it didn't, didn't really make the impact. I wanted. What, it is, what was What was your probably most liberating breakup? Was there one that, Oh, just... you know, what was really good is that, um, after that ex and I did break up, I wrote a really great joke about them. And then I got to perform that joke in front of them for like half a year. Really? Which made me feel really good. That's a great fuck you. Yeah. I don't understand why you, that would and be like, the one And like hear applause th- breaks in the joke about what a piece of shit you are. Yeah. Oh, it was the best. No, that's fantastic. That yeah. is, a, it's such a great way to like, you know, because he, you, he, he knows it's about him. Yes. No one else has any idea. They think you're just talking about some random guy that his comics talk about when they're yeah. talking about a breakup, and he has to sit there and take it. Oh, he would, he would introduce me on shows. Like, your next comic come to the stage and have to do the whole, like, shake hand. Oh, great. Have a great set. And then I would just be like, let me tell you all about this piece of garbage. And then it would be great. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. 
Uh, you're also Jewish, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, do you celebrate all the holidays? Because this is what the song is about. It's like saying you're gone. It was like Judaism? Ju- no, it's not about Judaism. <laughs> Could be. Jews if this was the Jewish version, it would be like, you know, it, what's ha- it's happy I bir- was born a uh, sewing like, machine repairman. Like, happy birthday, Mary Poorman. <laughs> Happy Passover. <laughs> you can go eat matzo with that dame you left in your house. I don't know. I tried. I wanted, to, I wanted, after listening to this, I was like, I can write a country song. I texted you. I was like, we should write a country song. We can do it. It's eat, like, all you have to do with the formula is just like, uh, alcoholic man stepping out, um, and then uh, something about uh, some lost love. Or being Boom, poor. you're done. You oh, do, yeah, you poor, being poor. Real, you could do a more real version of it, which would be like, you know, um, my penis color doesn't match the rest <laughs> of my body. <laughs> my cell phone bill is out of control. I can't get unlimited data no more. Ooh, I'm still on my mom's data plan, <laughs> and I'm 39. <laughs> Are you really? Because I I'm, yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna definitely ride. On my I'm gonna ride. Plan. I'm gonna ride that train till mom dies, dude. I'm fucking. My mom tried to get over to the senior citizen uh, discount. Yeah, and she wanted to bring me on there, and they were like, "No, she can't come." Why? I, I guess I don't know, dude. I I do ever I just I've any way I can get cheaper shit. It's not. And I guess that's what's what it's like being Jewish. I'm just like <laughs> I don't want to pay. You know what's funny was when I when the the reason I got on my mom's cell phone plan was when I moved out here and I was so broke my phone kept going off and I just yeah. said to her I go if you want to keep talking to me you're gonna have to oh me you to went plan. to the Jewish mom heart. Yeah, and she you was like, the heart of that was it. a big day, though, and I've been on it ever since, and it's just cheaper. Like, it's it's yeah. honest to God cheaper. But how how traditional was it for you growing up? Like, because you grew up in the Midwest, right? Yeah. Well, the the Jewish part was just kind of like a more of like a cultural in it. Let's, let's do Passover. Let's do a few nights of Hanukkah. I did Christmas way more, and I fucking yeah. love Christmas. Love but it. But oddly enough, so my dad, though, he was the one who switched religions all the time, so he was Catholic, then he tried to be Jewish, and the rabbi said no, and then he was a Muslim for 15 years. So I grew up in like a Jewish, but also Muslim household when I would go to my dad's. So I like went to Ramadan parties, like I would go when they'd have the huge prayer, um, you know, it was, it was really interesting, and then he would, you know, talk to us about the Quran, and talk to us about, uh, you know, I would see him go pray five five times a day i'd be like oh where's dad oh he's praying upstairs right now you know wow so you are so you're jewish and muslim i'm not muslim but i grew up in the household of a islamic family what is what 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 nationality was your dad italian italian <laughs> american an italian jewish muslim no he just was an italian roman hey, catholic you know what Fuck the Bible. I'm going to do the Quran. That's hey, you I'm heard talking. the Quran? You got, it's pretty great. <laughs> it's pretty good. Hey, there's some good shit in there. Hey, no more pork. Put okay. down that Capicola. <laughs> Put down the Capicola. We got to fast for a month. Not a big deal. Afterwards, we can eat all the fucking shit we want. All the Love fucking it. shit. Oh, whoops, you're in the cuss right there. I'm I, Muslim now. I can't drink anymore. <laughs> oh. I'm out. Ah, no, no, so he, uh, he was, yeah, he was like Catholic American. Uh, out of Rome, New York, and then met my mom. He just goes where the where the pussy goes. Let's be honest. Really? My so mom's your mom... Jewish. He okay. tried to be Jewish. The rabbi was like, "Do you want this? I don't think you want this." So, <laughs> like, ra- I, that's what I love about Judaism. Is just like, eh, 
It's, Are you sure? Yeah, we we don't recruit. We're, we're very like, oh, you, you want to unless be you're a woman, unless you're a woman. If you marry a Jewish guy, the rabbis will be like, oh, definitely, yeah, become Jewish because your kids have to be Jewish. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that the loophole. men, they're just like, eh. whatever, dude. Do you really want to fucking be a Jew? Yeah. Right, do you want this? All right, let's do it, man. Here's your Torah, and here's sure. your Talis, and here's your yarmulke. Yeah, we'll we gotta fix Sunday. that. That thing in your pants. Let's get that out of there. Come oh, on. Oh, it's already cut. Perfect. You're good to go. <laughs> All right. So, so how was that? Was that tough being uh, in that kind of family in the Midwest? Like, you know, I think. I mean, it was, this was like the pre nine eleven was yeah. fine. Post nine eleven, it was weird. Well, oh, how so? Just it just it it was. You know, there was so much like anti Islam sentiment, and then you know, I just I'd grown up around it, and I just didn't see any of that stuff that was going on in what the news and media was saying. So it was just like, I didn't really understand it and connect it. And then my mom kind of went crazy and then like forbid us from seeing my dad and stepmom, like maybe five or six years after they were married because of Islam. And like, it got real crazy. Yeah. I've met your mom too. Yeah. Your mom's this adorable <laughs> Russian woman. who just We, we did a festival out in, uh, in Vegas and uh, you brought your mom. She's like yeah. four foot three. <laughs> And she's just all I remember her was wearing like, you know, the shitty tacky like Vegas. Hats. Oh, yeah. The, the rhinestone. It says like <laughs> Las Vegas. And your mom was like wearing that. And she was always talking to this black security guard. of oh, Cortez. But- <laughs> she's like, Lisa, let me, let me, I can't do a Russian accent, but. OK, was- let me tell you about Trump. All right. All the media, it is bullshit. She right? loves she Trump. Loves you Trump. and your sister. Not yeah, you. Not me. No, 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 no. My sister loves my sister and mom. Oh, my God. They just have a field day anytime. They can talk about Trump, anything good about it. It's, you know, it's just like, it feels very oppressive in the house sure. when I'm there. I'm sure. just like, uh, when are they going to yell at me about something? But no, so he's, he did all, so we did like all the religions. It's great. And then I went to like a Hindu camp when I was a kid too. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. So like I, you know, did the whole like Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, which is like my mantra. And like, I know all the songs and like, we used to meditate when I was like 11. I live by that. Yeah. I, I meditated right before you came that over. That book in the bathroom. I have that book. See all my crystals? I do see your I'm, crystals. I'm like, I'm, I'm so, my third eye is fucking lit. Open. It is. Oh, you getting them vibes? It is. I think that's why I feel this music even more. I mean, well, first of yeah. all, that was like I said on the podcast before, the going through my existential breakthrough is what made me want to do this. Yeah. Uh, and then, because I just wanted to be moved, I wanted to feel, and now I feel like I'm just more open. Yeah. You know, and I think also I'm more open to the spiritual side, not just my, you know, my inner workings, but like I'm very open to my Judaism right now. I'm not practicing but i am getting ready to get bar mitzvahed uh for my 40th birthday <gasps> i'm gonna get ba- i'm gonna get bat mitzvah when are you doing it um i think either this this year birthday 33 or next year well I i'm have having a november november 14th man i'm having a full-on bar mitzvah oh yeah you're 100 oh invited dude what what music are you gonna play at your bar mitzvah well i, can, I gotta pick out the people for the candle lighting service i think it's gonna be <laughs> funny when i'm like you helped out my career <laughs> and you're always doing the jam. Will you please have it at like a big, um, gaudy, like oh, I'm doing the r- like full, a big Russian sweetheart. gaudy, hall. doing the full on That's bar mitzvah. I'm 18th going 18th century so, design. So Morty, Morty, one of my head writers on this, yes. has a friend who's a rabbi. He's the rapping rabbi. He's uh, Love Eton, it. and uh, 
Etan's setting me up with my rabbi. We got to pick out the date, and then they're going to give me the Haftorah. And then I'm doing, like, at a synagogue, and then we're going to have a party somewhere. Yeah. And I mean, like, I'm going to have, like, you know, I'm going to try to give, you know, like, all the Jewish comedians that I know that I, like, really respect. Like, I'm going to have them do, like, yeah. Torah passages. I'm going to do the candlelighting service and be like, Burr, will you please come up and light the fifth <laughs> candle? I want to do fucking... shit. I want to do fucking glow sticks. I want to do limbo, <laughs> Coke, and Pepsi. Yeah. And I want people to bring me money. You have to have a magician there. Almost all of them have a magician you there. You know how easy it would be to get a magician? I'm a magician. I think there's a magician that lives in my building. Let's do it. All right, that goes into the next song, <laughs> You Ain't Woman Enough. Uh, this was the song that Ooh. made me realize that Loretta Lynn is uh, the basis for Lurleen Lumpkin from The Simpsons. You know that? <laughs> Remember when Homer was like the, the country music? He meets Lurleen Lumpkin at this bar performing, and then he is completely like infatuated with her and she loves him, but he doesn't know it. So he becomes like her manager because he sees all the talent in her. Yeah. And all of the songs were, were basically like this. This song is about her being, she's a tough cookie. Uh, Peter, play the chorus at uh, minute one, second 46. Um, by the way, yeah. Yeah. Peter is adding the music later. No, I know. Okay, you did. Okay. I've listened like, to the podcast. Okay, you did? Oh, perfect. <laughs> I feel like, this this is a uh, like it's uh, her her songs are like in waves where it's like sad 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 I'm gonna fight any bitch that tries to take my guys yeah sad, 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 she's sad, a sad, badass sad. dude I'll fucking kill you bitch well, sad, this, sad sad this sad, is sad. this is what's really cool all right you know speaking at the TV Critics Association in, in 2006 Lynn talked about what prompted her to write this song she said when I wrote you ain't woman enough to take my man this little woman came backstage and said Loretta my husband didn't bring me to your sh- didn't bring me to the show tonight he's got a girlfriend and he brought her she she's sitting out in that second row with my husband I love this and oh we kind of and she and her and her and Loretta pulled the curtain back and looked at him and she goes I looked around at that lady that came backstage and I said honey she ain't woman enough to take your man and I went in the dressing room right then and there and wrote this song before the show even started Wow. So that's the story behind wow. this. Also in the in uh it was released in 66 and it charted even higher than her previous efforts and the album it was from was her first number 1 country chart topper which she had a lot of them. This is the first song from this greatest hits record that Loretta wrote and it's gone on to become one of Loretta's signature tunes. I mean, how could it not? She's saying, it'll be over my dead body, so get out while you can, because you ain't woman enough to take my man. I love this lyric. This is my favorite one. Sometimes a man start looking at things that he don't need. He took a second look at you, but he's in love with me. Oh, that's a sweet one. She's so great, dude. That is a sweet one. I like this song. It's a, a nice empowerment song, too. Yeah, oh, 100%. Are you uh, a conference? person are you have you ever said get your hands off my man god or? no i've watched when i've watched my boyfriend take the hand of another girl like i was sick at home with mono he brought over this girl who was a friend not this isn't the different one different friend but i was like huh like i don't think he knew i was home and i was like oh there's a girl in our apartment and uh, he's with her and then I watched them leave, like, holding hands. Yeah, and then I was like, I think the next day I was like, um, so, I saw you and Sarah were holding hands. How was, oh, it's fine. Oh, okay. (laughs) Like that. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I, I, 
to this day still have like very it's very difficult for me to stand up for myself why in those situations because i feel like i'll never find anybody else but it's there's somebody out there for you and you and i think you have when you once you stand up for yourself that's when you'll find that person yeah do you know what i mean i understand what it's like yeah you know i've i've been the other man i've never i never cheated on anybody yeah. have you have you ever been the other cheated. woman have you been I've, the other woman i've been the other woman and not known it um where it was like under weird circumstances um but i've never purposely been like i know you have a girlfriend but who cares do you know what i mean it's been like oh are you with someone or like hey uh i know you said that you guys were open is that true and then being like oh it's definitely not true you know when they when you look in their eyes and you're like oh no yeah this is not you guys aren't open do you know what I mean? No, completely. Well, let me ask you, when when do you think you would, would draw a line? Because if you don't stick up for yourself, when would you now, after we've talked, draw the line when you think another woman is overstepping? Um, That's the thing is I just, I always feel like I'm doubting myself. Or I always feel like instinctually I'm like, oh, that is a weird thing that's happening. I think that person's cheating. And then my brain's just like, no, Jen, it could just be like they're friends. Why can't people just be friends? You have friends, don't you? Like there's a voice in me that talks me out of saying something, saying something, because then it's like I always have this fear of the minute I say what I need in any relationship, they'll leave. Yeah, they'll be like, you're stupid. Has that happened? I It must have happened when I was a kid. Do you know what I mean? Like there must have been something when I was a kid where I asked Either my mom or my dad. I told them my needs, and they you're in fourth grade. You're like, yeah. hey, uh, hey, Tony, I, I saw you playing tetherball with Sarah. You know what? I'm out of here, I'm babe. Here. You suck. You're in fourth grade. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we got much. recess together. Yep. And then I was like, well, I never want to feel that again. That's I'm very much like a once I feel a bad feeling, I will avoid feeling it forever. Yeah. I, I've been uh, the other man. I've never cheated on a girl. Yeah. Uh, but I did. Did you know you were the other man? No, but I, I found out. Um, well, I found out. All right. So the one with uh, one girlfriend, I found out that she, um, the guy that she was bringing around that towards the end of our relationship. So we've yeah. been dating and living together for like almost three years. And uh, the guy showed up. He just started hanging out. And, and I, and I just, but he was gay. Like, I was like, oh, this guy's gay. Yeah. They're talking fashion. Like, he's so yeah. overly effeminate. I was like, all right, this is, you know. No threat. No threat whatsoever. And then the morning she came home at like four, or she came home at eight in the morning. And if I ever would have done that, she would have killed me. And I was in bed. And I remember I was like, where were you been? And she's like, she's like, Josh, I'm leaving you for Randall. And I was like, <laughs> he's gay. Randall. And she's like, no, he's not. And I was like, he's gay. She, and I was like, and she's like, I love him. And I was like. You've, you've only known him for a week. Oh, my God. So there was that. And then. Had they been seeing each other previously? Probably. Probably. She just brought him around just, the house? She brought him around the house. Because we were having problems. She almost caught me cheating once. Yeah. I almost cheated. Because I was working at the strip club. And I, there was a stripper there at a different club that I had met. And she was very sexy. And she was just like, I want to come to a show. So let me have your number. Yeah. And I was like, here's my number. If you ever want to come to a show, just let me know. Yeah. And then she texted me like a really sexy photo. And I was like, we're going to. I was like, me and the other girl, the relationship was coming to an end. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. Because we weren't having sex. That's, yeah. that's how it always dies. It always dies once <clears throat> I get out of it. And that's my problem is that. You know, once I know a woman's like poop schedule, like that's it. I'm, <laughs> I can't get erect anymore. And 
So, so then, like, I remember she. You know, we're people. Okay? I know you are, but poop. I don't want to know. And it's I don't want to know. I don't want to see, you know, like, it's also, it was the fighting. Fighting, like, takes me out of it. You've seen, especially yeah. if you fight dirty and you say really evil things. Like, she would say stuff to me, like, you're never going to make it. And Oh, I, my God. Yeah. And it was like, I mean, she was like, you know what? I was out with Emil Hirsch and he said, you're too old to make it. I'm like, Emil? What a Emil. monster. Speed racer. <laughs> Speed racer said I'm not gonna make it. It's over. And I so so like uh so I so I remember I was I set up the cheating situation with that girl and and then the day came yeah. and I canceled it because I was like I can't do that because if she found out it would break her heart. But I here's what I did. I remember I was like I showed Byron Bowers, I go, Byron, I was like, yo, check out this picture this girl sent me. And Byron looks at me, he goes, He's like, You better delete that, man. He's like, You better get rid of that picture. She gonna find it. I'm like, she's not gonna find it, dude. There's oh my no God. way she's gonna find it. He's Foreshadowing. like Foreshadowing. No. He's like, She gonna find it. You know, you know your girl crazy. And I'm like, Yeah, whatever. <laughs> So skip ahead like yep. like two or three weeks. We're having this great Saturday night, and we she makes me dinner, and we're sa- sitting on the couch, and um, and I'm just like, oh, what a great night. And she's like, you know, like rubbing my back or just being very loving, and we're watching Girl Interrupted, which was another <laughs> foreshadow because <laughs> that's like the cra- that's a crazy bitch movie. That is just you know yeah. So so I remember I fall asleep on the couch. And then I wake up and it's she's hitting me like, you fucker, you fucker. And she's got the picture up on my phone. Wait, so she just went into your she phone? She went into my phone. And, and here's the thing, Jenny. It went, she went deep into my phone to oh, get it. No. I didn't have it in my Gmail. I had it in my Hotmail, the one I never use. What? I had sent it. I had emailed it to my, to my Hotmail and then deleted it from my Gmail. So, dude, it was, it was deep. Like, she must have had hours of me napping to fucking find it and then because but also of- that she like went in she's just like what a great night i need to ruin this like that is literally that is i've done that where i've been like i'm having such a great time how can i ruin this and you're just like i know i'll look at their phone it's never a good idea because you're gonna find something yeah even if you're in the tightest relationship, there could just be a guy's text like, I miss you. And what the fuck is this? And it's oh. like, he's my brother. Oh, okay. Never mind. I used to get from the first one, from uh, the first boyfriend, in both of my next pre- next phone relationships, texts of them being like, I miss you. I still love you. And I was, I was, I just couldn't say go away because I was yeah. like, I felt bad. Yeah. So I would get into so much trouble because they would see these texts and I'd be like, it, it doesn't mean anything to me. I just look at him and I go, okay. And I just couldn't bring myself to be like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. It all, yeah. Even if it's innocent, just don't have a presence online at all. No, it's, it's, I I won't delete everything right now. I'm completely single. I don't even have any girls numbers of anybody I'm interested in. There's one girl I'm interested in. Um, and, uh, I'm just kind of, I guess you just write her letters. No, I'm just, she got out of a marriage and, and I just want to like, I want to marry her. I already know. It's like, (laughs) I want to marry this girl. She's, she's fucking German. Uh, but she's born in Turkey and she's just so beautiful and has this great aura and her energy is great. And we connect and we went out and let the dogs play. And you know, if if you're listening, just go out. Do you think she's listening? Probably not. Maybe. I don't know. She might be. If she is. I just scared her. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> I was like, I want to marry her. Oh, I want to marry her, and her aura is so good. I just want to feel it. 
Yeah, That's you're creepy. Want. You're creepy. I'm not creepy. No, mm. I'm, I'm. I have a very, very big heart, and uh, you know, I just want to. You just, I just have wanna, a lot of love to give. I have a lot of love to give, and I'll promise you, if you come, if you marry me, I will never come home a drinking with loving on my mind, oh, which is the what next a good song. Transition. Thank you. Uh, so far, every song on this album is Don't short. Drinking with loving on That your is mind. so fucking catchy. Short, sweet, and to the point, and most importantly, extremely catchy. There's as uh, no nothing that is really touching me in this, but I just fucking dig it. Like I really yeah. dig every chorus. And how could you not? Like we just sang the chorus, but Peter play the chorus. This 1966 single was Loretta Lynn's first of 16 country number ones. She had 16 of them. The same titled album that came out in 67 also went to number one on the country album charts, and it was the first album from a female country artist to go gold. So that's really cool. Big ups, Loretta. Now, she wrote this song with her sister, Peggy Sue Wright, and it's the first of several controversial Loretta Lynn tunes that were inspired by her husband, Doolittle. In it, a pissed-off wife is tired of her drunk husband coming home late and wanting to get it on. Now, liquid courage is a real thing. Yes. What is the drunkest sad attempt that's actually worked on you? Um, by someone at like a bar or like Wherever. a boyfriend. Could be a, both. Whatever you want to I take. Mean, who it. hasn't had like drunk sex? We all have. Yeah, I've had like terrible drunk sex where like you literally. Don't remember, but see, here's the thing: is that if you switch for a guy, it can just be like, "Oh, I'm drunk and crazy." For a girl, it's like, "Oh, oh, that shouldn't have happened." Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it borders on, "Oh, I really had like no uh, authority over what was going on." I've had some of those where it's been like with boyfriends or something where I was like, "I was too drunk to fuck. We should not have fucked," and like <laughs> definitely fallen asleep during it. You fall asleep during sex? Oh, definitely. <laughs> Or I've been asleep, and then they wake me up to fuck. Well, yeah, that's what we do. It's like we start getting a little cadoogled in yeah. our spoogle, and then we just we start rubbing up <laughs> against like, your booty toogle, and, and then it's like, oh, fine, fine. Can I go back to bed after this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do whatever you want. I've definitely been that person. I think that's that's a good like two years into the relationship. We're just like, look, I'm gonna lay here. I'm gonna kind of try to fall asleep, but I'll also like kind of pretend I'm into it. Just do your thing and then leave me alone. But that takes us into Fist City. <laughs> what a great, what a great sex, Fist this, City. This, oh, fuck yeah, dude. That's, I didn't even think about that. It's, it sounds grosser than it is, but this, it's this is. It's not about the kind of the thing that you think it's about. It's, uh, it's about strong empowerment. Uh, you know what I love about this song is that not only is is this, pr- this is probably my favorite song on, on this record. There's a yeah. couple ones that really touched me more. But this is just, you know, Peter, just play the chorus, but play all of it. Like, play all of the chorus. Because I was like, she's like, I never said my baby's a saint because he ain't any more to get around with a kitty. I never tell you, Scandley, I'm Go to this city. I liked the, where um, she says, um, when, my man, when my man sees trash. He picks it up, puts it in the garbage. This is a complete do little fuck you, dude. 
Uh, if you don't want to go to Fist City, don't. you better detour around my town because I'm going to grab you by the hair in your head and I'll lift you off of the ground. Yes, I mean, this are... is another one of just like, I'm sad. Go fuck yourself. I'm sad. I will fight you. This is this is the best lyrics on it. She goes, you better move your feet if you don't want to eat a meal that's called Fist City. <laughs> God, it's this dude. And Loretta is a fucking badass dude. I fucking love that. So she wrote this one. She did write it. Yes. She stated in her autobiography, "I've been in a couple of fights in my life. I fight like a woman. I scratch and I kick and I bite and I punch. Women are much meaner than men. So I warned any girl making eyes at do then, and I'm still jealous enough to warn him today. If you see this cute little old boy near me wearing his cowboy hat, you better walk a circle around us if you don't want to go to Fist City. (laughs) And this actually happened. Loretta said this actually happened. The woman was trying to take Lynn's husband Doolittle away from her, so Loretta gave her a beatdown. You see it in Coal Miner's Daughter when yeah. when Doolittle pulls up in the Jeep and they had kind of broken up right before she right after she found out she was pregnant, or I think he didn't know she was pregnant. And that girl, like, he starts flirting with some girl and yeah. Loretta like just grabs a switch and starts chasing after the girl. I was like, fuck yeah. So like I said, this was a true story. So Lynn got wind of the affair while she was recording in Nashville and wrote the entire song during a furious 75-mile trip back home. Her husband didn't hear the tune until she sang it at the Grand Ole Opry. How fucking gangster is that, dude? (laughs) After their performance, he insisted the song would never make it big, but he underestimated all of the women who were dealing with cheating husbands. She goes, I think my story sounded a little familiar. And also, as the song's homewrecker, Lynn is certain the woman in question knew about it, knew it was about her. After the record came out, she stayed away from a good long time and explained then in 1996, this is kind of sad. So this girl stays away. And then in 1996, when Dew was on his deathbed and Lynn was taking care of him, a bell rang. And when she opened the front door, this woman walked right past her. Didn't know who she was at first, but then she realized it. So she found Dew in his bed and was talking to him. And uh, she goes, yeah, I felt like killing her. As you could probably tell, I still don't like her to this day. I mean, that's. She just walked right into the house and then yeah. went to the guy's bed. Yeah, Dew was, was a womanizer, man. He wasn't, oh. he wasn't like a good dude. Like he, he, he had Loretta Lynn. No, he sounds Lynn. like a garbage human. Yeah, he was very, very garbagey. Hold on, I have some more facts. Let me see what this is. Yeah, but she just walked in and then I want to know what happened. Was she like, did the woman be like, his name is Todd and then like walked out? So Doolittle even left Loretta when she was pregnant with one of their six kids. Yeah. Yeah, he sounds like a garbage human. That's the thing about like that I don't like about country music is that it's never it's empowerment in some of the songs, but it's always empowerment that is, but I'm still gonna stay with this piece of garbage. Yeah. Unless it's like a what's that I think it's that Carrie Underwood song that I really like about her Before trashing. He Cheats. Oh, I love that song. I'm gonna call and scabbing four letter word, gonna stick it in the ski and <laughs> I, I actually know the words to this song, okay? I dug my kids to the side of this pretty little souped up four wheel drive. Tore my leather seat. You refer to yourself as a badass bitch. You had your show on Comedy Central, and this is basically what Loretta is saying. You also have this sweet Minneapolis exterior, but inner Boston toughness. Yes. 
Do people think that they can take advantage of you? All the time. All the time. I, I, I've definitely become... And actually... Um, so I feel like sometimes uh, a lot of guys will do like the therapy thing where they just kind of like take advantage of like, I don't want to be with you, but I want to like tell you all my feelings and uh, all my thoughts and uh, work my shit out on you. And uh, I will say very recently I've stopped doing that where I've just been like, no, bye. Yeah. Where uh, there was one in particular who was going through some stuff and just, I think, wanted someone to like uh, bounce their ideas off of. And then I was just like, nope, I'm not going to do this. Really? I, yeah, I think I think I have a very like I love listening. I love talking to people. And I think that with some guys, if they're not interested sexually, they still want to find they still like me. Like, I don't I don't think that's a problem, but they just, you know, I think that happens to a lot of women as we become the therapists to two guys. Yeah. Where well, they're just like, I'm going to talk about this stuff, but then I'm going to go get pussy elsewhere. Yes. I think, well, guys, I think everybody is just looking for somebody to talk to. Yeah. And we're always in, especially you have this, you're very welcoming. You're very fun to be around and you're very sweet. So I think it's just people probably want to open up to you. Yeah. When and I don't have a problem with it. I just also, I'm like, I just need my time. So when does the Midwest drop out and the East coast take over? Um, I get I get super protective of people that I love. I get very like, don't take that shit. Like, if someone if someone's making a friend unhappy, I'll be like, I'm gonna go talk to them. I'm telling them what the fuck's up. Um, and I've done that for a few friends. There's some I haven't, and I've greatly regretted it. Yeah, where I've like not stood up for people I love. Um, and when it comes to my career, I'm very much like, oh, you're not helping me in any way. Um, go fuck yourself. Get out. Like, I'm just very like, if I want something, I just fucking get it. Like, I don't think about it. I just do it. I actually, did you see my Instagram story? Which one? The goal from when I I was 12. I wrote down this goal. I found this project did when I was 12 um, of my goals. And one of them was, I want to be a comedian. I want to be as funny as Robin Williams and Billy Crystal. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be so successful. Everyone's going to love me. And people are going to say, wow, Jenny, you did such a great job. That's what I want. Those are my goals. I've just like, since I was 12, I've been like, this is what I want. How do you feel? I feel like you've done a lot of that. I have. Yeah, you've done really good. Yeah, the literally the thing said, I want to be in movies. I want to be famous. I want to be a comedian. And I've done all those things. So I'm good. I just am like super, if I've wanted to do like um, an idea for a show, I'm like, well, okay, it's done. And I just go for it and I do it and I just don't stop until it's done. Well, let me ask you this. Have you been in a fight before? Um, I almost got in a fight uh, when I was 14. And um, it was uh, in Boston. And it was uh, Brookline versus Newton. These girls, which are like two. If you actually go to Brookline and Newton, they're like two of the most rich neighborhoods in Boston. And I was so ready to fucking fight. And then it didn't. It ended up not happening. And I was very upset about it. And then my friend reminded me, she's like, Jenny, you have an eyebrow piercing. And I was like, oh, yeah, they would just rip that shit off. My face. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. You can't fight with piercings. So you've never gone to Fist City? I've never gone to Fist City. Hmm. I know. I go to like Tech City. <laughs> <laughs> Next song is You've Just Stepped In from Stepping Out on Me. 
Uh, this was okay. This is a 1968 single written by Don Trowbridge. Uh, and it's another one about dealing with a cheating husband and how he would like it if his wife did the same. Yeah. So are let me you- guess. He doesn't like it. No, he he does no, not. Not Are, into are you it. a revenge getting type? Um, I think I used to be. Now I don't care. Tell me about your best revenge. Um, it was never like anything super intense. I think it was just, um, I'm very good at like gossiping and spreading gossip and spreading. So that's how you things. get back at somebody. Yeah, or like I write them into a show. I write them into a joke. So that's that's my revenge. Is like if I don't like you, I'm gonna write the best fucking joke about how I don't like you and how no one likes you. So what is your best revenge story? Um, Oh man. Doesn't have to be about love. I mean, I think my best revenge. I don't know. I don't know. I have a very bad memory. I think it's because I've had some trauma, so I just don't retain things very much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, where I'm like, uh, like I, I've had friends. Blocking a lot of it out. I've had friends tell me about whole days that we've had and weekends. I'm just like, I don't remember any of that. And I just don't, like there's years of my childhood that I just am like, didn't happen. Why do you think Like 11, 12, 13. Was it like hard? Um, I think so like 12, so my parents' divorce was really dirty. The thing with my stepmom and my mom was really awful. Well, I mean, basically we were banned from seeing my dad and I'm a total daddy's girl. And then when I was 12, I'm on, my mom kidnapped me, like legally kidnapped me. Wow. Well, it's illegal at the time, but she, yeah, like I wasn't allowed to go home. Um, she moved to Boston and I was at, going to Hindu camp and then I came home and I like wasn't allowed to go back to Minneapolis. Hey, honey, I got you a new <laughs> Bhagavad Gita. Hey, where'd my wife, where'd my daughter go? Ho, hey. Guru Maharashi Sashudu. <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? I don't know. Swami Shivananda, let me know. <laughs> um, yeah, and I just, I was enrolled in a new school, and I was just going to a new school in Boston, and just wasn't allowed home until, like, the courts got involved, and then maybe, like, two months in, so I just kind of started Roots in Boston, and then two months in, I was- the Play Roots? The Play Roots? Yeah. Well, you were in, you were in, you were doing Roots? Yeah, I just roots. started the starring roots, the in slavery. Roots. Oh, fun story. Eighth grade, the play we chose at an all, at a basically an all white uh, school in Massachusetts was Once on this Island. I don't know that one. It is a story. It is a play that is mainly going to be people of color in this play. Um, and it's basically about like being on this island and like this rich dude comes in and it's like, you know, about the village but it was played by all like white kids. Doing- <laughs> um, if, if people know the musical, then they'll be like, oh, yeah, that makes absolutely no fucking sense. It's hard being <laughs> a black guy. It's hard being a black guy. Come on, Sarah. Hit, yeah. Hit the fucking hit the fucking <laughs> the verse. But yeah. So then so then like two months after um I was allowed to go home. The court gave my dad custody. And so my mom had to like give me up. And my mom to this day still has the notes I used to write her that were like, I hate you. Let me go home. You suck. I hate you so much. And she'll bring them out occasionally just to be like, look what you did. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Are you close with your mom? Yeah, we're close. I mean, but she's also the reason I do stand up. 
I, I'm the exact same <laughs> way. My mom is the exact same way. Woman of the world, <clears throat> leave my world alone. I like woman of the world. Why do you like it? I like all oh, that line where she's like, uh, I wear more swimming than you wear um, every day. What was the lyric? Peter, play uh, play the part she's talking about. Yeah. Just basically being like, you're a woman of the world. You came from the city. You're going to come take my country husband. He doesn't understand. Like, we don't understand your ways. Get out of here, woman of the world. You're the devil's woman. That's what my man don't know. Why I wear more in swimming than you wear in parties where you go. Yeah. This is like what a what like a little slut shame there. It's a, it's a great song. Man. I wear more in swimming. She shows a lot of depth. I think this is where yeah. you're starting to see Loretta like really. She's coming into her own. She's writing all these songs. It's slow country, and I love slow country. Uh, also, the song is is it's very sweet. You know, it's just another. Uh, one of her number ones it's like a uh, Jolene kind of thing yeah and it's about it, the other woman and in this one the woman is more experienced and worldly and therefore could be considered more exotic and sexy to her man than the ordinary southern lady at home yeah so we were just talking about your mom you were born in Minnesota and your mother is an inter- immigrant yeah she's what, from Russia what was that like um you know it was it was interesting I guess growing up in like a the Midwest, you know, everyone's just like very, all their moms are like very mom staying at home. They're very involved. And like, I had a single mom who was Russian and like, you know, her, her English skills are fine, but she was never like involved in the school. And like, I was a little weird and like, you know, we're also on welfare. So I was a little on the poor side too. And just like, there was definitely like a divide in the culture that I lived in as a Jew, a Russian Jew in you know lutheran minnesota i think it was like maybe there was like one or two other jews in elementary school growing up until i got to like middle school which was or junior high which was an all jewish like basically everyone was jewish at that height at that middle school oh cool pretty much it was like a public yeshiva You're all the Jews uh, yep. in, in Minnesota. All of them, all in the all in Hopkins. Cohen uh, brothers came from there. Yep, St. Louis Park. Yeah. So I grew up in Minnetonka, which was next to it, mm-hmm. and then I went eventually out to Eden Prairie, which uh, next town over from Chanhassen, where my sweet love Prince is from. Well, let me ask you this: So have have is your relationship with your mom? I know you said, but it was it was rocky for certain points, and you were a daddy's got a uh, girl, and your mother kidnapped you yeah uh, has your mom finally left your world alone no <laughs> not at all not at all <laughs> i mean I, there have <clears throat> been times where like i've definitely confronted her about some trauma that she did and she's just been like what are you talking about genia it was a joke okay we were all having good time and laughing and i'm like oh, no, I, like, cried every day about this, and, like, I talk about it in therapy all the time, and she's just like, shut up, get over your feelings. Very Russian. Like, she hates that I go to therapy, hates my therapist, thinks my therapist is out to get her. Like, just crazy things. Yeah, I remember my mom, when I went home uh, over Thanksgiving break, we were talking about stuff, and I do all the, I do go to a spiritual guide, and yeah. I meditate, and I really take care of myself, and she's like, I hope I didn't fuck you up, and I was like, you did. <laughs> I was like, you did, mom. <laughs> yeah, but at least your mom like kind of owns it. It's like, uh, 
I, this is me, isn't it? Dude, My we, mom's just like, fucking get over it, bitch. We were having a good phone call conversation yesterday. Like, yeah. it was so sweet. And at the end of it, it was just like, when are you coming home? And I'm like, well, mom, I, you know, I told you it's, it's gotten really busy for mm-hmm. me with the podcast and stand. I'm getting ready for the TV taping and all this other stuff. And, and she's just like, you know, you said you were coming. I'm just like, all right, oh that's, I got to go, mom. I was like, you know, it's just like she just lays it on. Beautiful conversation. And then when she can find those jabs, she does. <laughs> that takes us into Coal Miner's daughter. Oh, speaking of. Oh, your mom's calling you right yeah, now? Yeah, she's on a cruise right now. Of course she is. <laughs> Probably wearing like some tacky Bermuda hat, like rhinestones. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Coal Miner's Daughter. This song is what the movie was about. This is basically the Retta's whole life. She opens up and points and paints such an incredible picture of her life in Butcher Holler. And mm-hmm. as I wrote, I cried. Yeah. I cried very hard, man. This Country got me. music can do that. Country music paints beautiful pictures that I don't think pop and rock paint. Yeah. Like it is it country music, folk, all that is storytelling at its most beautiful and maybe that's why you connect with it so much. Uh, it, uh, it's just just the way she she told the story. Uh Peter play minute 1, second 56. Yeah, I'm proud to be This is where she talks about how proud she is. That's what I love the oh, most. Oh, when it when is it key change? She's like, yeah, she's so proud of of growing up that way because she was dirt poor, no shoes, no electricity, working a hard man's living to make ends meet. Her father worked in the coal mines, and then uh, also uh, uh, shucked corn or something. Uh, shuck corn, washboard corn every day. Uh, washboard. Okay, the, the, pronounce it correctly. What did I say? You I said, said wash. That's, that's what it's it is. It's a washboard. My favorite lyric from this, and this is the one that really got me, was when she said, we were poor, but we had love. Yeah, and that's one thing that daddy made sure of. Yeah, man. And this is uh, the former Loretta Webb's autobiographical story from 1969 and became the title of Loretta Lynn's autobiography in 1976. And it was made into the hit movie that we've talked about from 1980, starring Sissy Spacek, who went on to win the Academy Award for Best Actress. Oh, that's amazing. It's so great. She's fantastic in it. Yeah. Watch the movie, guys. If you're listening to the album, watch the movie. Now, how important is it for you to remember where you came from? I think it's very important. I think, you know, I go home. I still have friends from high school that I hang out with every time I go home. I still go to the same places when I go back to Minneapolis. And in Boston, too. Like, I still have friends from when I was 14. 
because they ground you because this business is so awful <laughs> and so like will tear you down like you need regular friends do you know what I mean you need regular friends I need to go home to the split level house that I grew up in I need to go to those places to be reminded of like not only like to ground me but just also to take in the gratitude and appreciation for where I've come for how far I've come well you talked about being on welfare like how poor were you growing up I didn't know how poor we were like we would get government assistance food um like I was telling you like I just remember being like playing in the basement and seeing boxes of food that just were labeled pork cereal milk like just white box with a label on it that I think now looking back on it was like government assistance food yeah and like you know I remember when my parents divorced my dad lived in a one-bedroom apartment my mom lived in the apartment in in a one-bedroom apartment and like I just never thought about how poor we actually were until later when I was seeing my mom work three jobs or you know my dad struggling like my dad um uh at one point his entire business he was a lawyer and his entire business was completely gone like Why? everyone left his partner had taken everyone oh, he got okay. screwed over by his partner lost his office lost everything had to move like and i guess they were nice and like never showed us how poor they were my mom when she first came here with my brother who's 14 years older than me used to tell me stories of how my brother would be crying for like soda and my mom just couldn't afford the nickel to like buy a can of soda in the seventies in New York city. Yeah. You know? And my mom really came here with like a hundred bucks, like a hundred dollars was on some assistance from like a Jewish federation. Um, because they had opened the borders up in Russia and taught herself English, taught herself how to be a computer programmer. She was a musician in Russia. She was a piano teacher. Yeah. She was a piano teacher she used to play piano for kindergartners. Because I was born a coal <laughs> miner's daughter. We wait in line for bread every day. She worked at the bread factories in Russia. I always wanted, that I was, was her job. Russians love talking about how long uh, they wait in line for bread. They're like, you know, don't get me started on rye bread. That was like four hour wait. Yeah, Oranges, okay, they come once a year, Genia, okay? <laughs> Only one one time a year we have orange. Very good. You know? And it's like, I can't eat a piece of fruit with a bruise on it. She's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know what? It's funny. Is that like, we we started, my family started very, uh, like, upper class. I remember being born. We had a big house. And my dad had a good job. And my mom didn't work. And then, you know, just one day, I think my dad left his job, made a bad decision, and he went into sales. And it just got bad, man. Yeah. And, uh... I, you know, we almost, we, no, we, we lost our house, but luckily my dad's friend, uh, bought the house from us and then rented it back to us. But I remember there was a time where it was like, we, I mean, we had a big house, but I mean, it was just, they were fighting nonstop. We didn't have any money. My mom was spending a lot of money on like cookbooks and shit like that. And, uh, you know, so I think we went from like upper class to, 
to middle class. I wouldn't say like lower middle class, yeah. but it was definitely a struggle. And I think that, listen, I didn't grow up dirt poor, but I think that's probably why I identified with this song so much. It just like, just listening to it. It's just like, I remember I was like listening to it earlier today and I was like, good God, this is so yeah. fucking good. That kind of poverty though, like that is a very, it's a very like, you know, that, era and that region kind of poverty that I've that amazes me to this day where like people lived in cabins in the middle of the woods yeah and just survived and then they were happy and then we're musicians because they didn't know anything they didn't know that they didn't know any different like Loretta didn't know anything like she knew that this was our life dad worked in the coal mine yeah mom like they the bible was what you knew fucking bible for you the the bhagavad gita the torah the <laughs> quran after the fire is gone okay now i wrote now she's on a roll and you're starting to see her real growth as an artist the lyrics are getting deeper the tempo and the music is sticking with mm-hmm. me and i'm starting to feel these songs peter who played the duet with conway twitty Ooh. she did a lot of them with conway yeah. he was who was a teen heartthrob by the way he was a real oh, yeah, teen he heartthrob. Was. uh play minute one second 33 uh, she. This is my favorite part. She goes, "Your lips are warm and tender, and your arms hold me just right." Sweet words of love you remember, the one that the one at home forgot. Yeah. Very beautiful. Her and Conway. It's from '71. Uh, this is the first of ten albums that will be released by the two country stars annually until 1981. Do you think so, they were having an affair? I don't think so. Do you think she ever had an affair with anyone? Not at all. Not Loretta. I've watched a lot of interviews for her, man. She's just, she's got values. She's she's that still that little girl yeah. that grew up poor. So I don't think she would do that. I think she took it out, you know? Plus, she was like a mom. She had like six kids. Yeah. You know, we're about to get to and one. And touring. Yeah, she's touring. Dude, she had, she had the twins, and then she was touring like two weeks later. Oh, uh, my God. So this is one with Loretta and Conway where they're both clearly cheating on their partners with each other, which is funny. They would never do it again. But you know what? Nothing's as cold as ashes. When was the first time a partner violated your trust? Um, the first time I would get it's all kind of with the first one. Um, I think it was like really that kind of a that. No, you know what? So they were basically seeing me and then seeing my best friend at the time I didn't know this at all and then I remember telling my friend that me and this guy are going to be serious and she got very quiet and hung the phone up and I was like huh that's weird and then later on I was like oh my god you were also like sleeping with her while we were sleeping together huh and then that's you know two years later that's when I find out they were had again done it um and I think that moment was like, I guess it didn't affect me as much because I, I had won. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I won that one. I was like, well, I'm sorry. Like, and that's the whole thing about not being responsible for other people's feelings. At the time, if it was me now, I'd have been like, oh, no, go fuck this person. My friend is way more important. I'm sorry that he did that to you and did that to me. But at the time, I was like, no one will ever love me again. So, yeah. oops. Oopsie doodles. Uh, Lead Me On. Great song. This is where she's starting to go into her gospel period. Yeah. You have the slide guitar solo and piano. Uh, Peter, play the chorus. Lead me on. 
what's this one about for you? How did, how did you feel about this one? Well, what we wrote was, this is the, let me see if I can find it. In this one, Loretta is reluctantly agreeing to be Conway's lover, but only if he makes the choice for her. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about with yeah. the with the taking responsibility for other people's feelings. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, you can't, you know it, it's wrong, but you want it, and you just kind of want to, like, let go of the responsibility of it. Yeah. So you let them take it. I sort of have a problem with this song, though. Why? Because Loretta is gone from being this badass independent woman to whatever you want to call this, and that's just against everything she's been singing about. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's I just... think that she contains multitudes. She does. She does. We all have moments of weakness. Listen, I, I'm not I'm not shitting on her. I, I love her. Yeah. I, you know, I love me some Loretta, but honestly, it's like I want her to be that strong-willed person that's aware of her of herself and just yeah. like is not doesn't need a man, you know what I mean? Um have you ever been led on by a man? Oh, yeah. Definitely. That's what the whole thing about being their therapist. Is you think that you're going to get something at the end of it and then you just realize that oh, they just needed someone to like pontificate into yeah well what and you, that was it what are you looking for in a man um i don't know really you don't i mean i do know but i also i'm going through a, i'm going through some some things right now with a guy not with a guy just with myself inner workings of like why what what happened in, in this there was something that happened within the last few years that has completely shifted um how so? I just am not feeling as confident and as good anymore. And I don't. And that's that's the thing with the song about the leading on is like, you know, you can. I'm I'm very much into like uh, like body positivity and like loving yourself. But also at the same time as I have so many moments of like, I just hate being in this body. What do you do? Hmm. You know, and it's the same thing with like relationships where I'm like, I want one, but I'm just like. I don't feel like they'll they'll ever be for me. Like maybe the trade off was like I'm really happy and fulfilled in my career, but I'll just never find love. Hmm. I mean, well, what, and I mean, is is I don't know. This is a two person question. What do you want to change? Because I think you're perfect. Like, why why is it so hard for you to to just be okay with yourself? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm at this point. I would think that I'm in my 30s. Wouldn't I be done with this bullshit? No. I, I mean, now you're starting to get to an age where you're starting to see other people in relationships. They're getting married and and they're having kids. And I don't know if that's what you want, but you start looking at yourself like, well, what is wrong with me? I mean, I just I haven't, I, I haven't been yeah. on a date in in seven eight months. Yeah. You know, but I'm fine with that because I what I did, which I recommend you do, and everybody else listening does, is if you're single. Write down exactly the kind of person you want to be with. I've done it. It's in the journal. It is. It's in my journal, but I, ju- I just feel like, you know, it's that whole thing of like, I sometimes the manifesting stuff, I'm almost like, it's a little too much of a religion for me. Yeah. To be, because it's, it's still like, we're like, well, I was manifesting. It didn't work. And they're like, well, you didn't manifest the right way. And you're like, okay. But I know that the things that I'm thinking are perpetuating the um the negativity that's yeah. going on so i just feel like i'm imperfect i'm not exactly where i want to be and then sometimes i feel like being in a relationship will completely i'll completely lose myself i'll lose who i am and the things i want and i'll just simply become for them 
And that scares the shit out of me. Yeah, I could see that. But you got to get what you want. You got to put it out there, man. And you got to believe in yourself. And well, you I have really... to believe that I deserve it. Yeah, well, you do. I'm sure I do. No, you're not sure. You, des- you deserve it. Everybody deserves yeah, it. Yeah, everyone does. But you have to tell, you know, tell 12-year-old Jenny that. Well, it's 33. Yeah. 33-year-old Jenny is is a strong, independent woman that built a career out of being an immigrant that was that was complete that was kidnapped by their mom and <laughs> and taken away and was poor and it's just like dude you've done so much yeah. that you need to be, just just stay in that frame of mind like that's what you have to do you just stay like stay like you know body positive mind positive just know that you deserve it and like yeah. and don't doubt yourself because look what you've done you've you you know you've done you know your career is doing fantastic. Uh, there's nothing to like doubt yourself about. Yeah, I just I don't know. Right. I I I hear all of it. I also just I don't I just don't know what's going. I don't know what this shift is. And maybe it's like a uh, one of those like darkness before the storm before the the beauty clears out. No, I get it. Well, I think that's there's when you're at this low period, it's really good because the only place to go is up. Yeah. You know, stop digging. Yeah. And start climbing. That's right. I'm Fuck getting yeah, my dude. climbing shoes on. And you're, and you're going to take over the world. I'm going to do it. Start my empire. One's on the way. Uh, this was, I love this song. Why do you love it? I love it because uh, it's catchy as fuck. Oh, dude, the fucking... The here in Topeka, the flies are buzzing. The dog is barking and the floor needs a scrubbing. One needs a toddling, one needs a hugging, Lord. One's on the way. Which is the line, one's a toddling, one's a crawling, and one's on the way. I only wrote one needs a spanking. <laughs> one wants a cookie, one wants something. I just love this because it's very much like what country is. It's like, yeah, okay, Raquel Welsh is doing fine, but here in Topeka, I have three kids to worry about, and you're out drinking with your army buddies. And I always love a song that has a a phone conversation in it. Yeah. A one-sided phone conversation? Oh, hey, what, you're, wait, you're going to be out drinking tonight? I'll put that down. No, honey, I was talking to the baby. Like, I love that stuff. She's so cute. I love theater. She's so cute. Well, I think this this one, uh, I think I said it off air. This one was written by Shel Silverstein, who wrote The Giving Tree. Uh, he wrote, you know, Where the Sidewalk Is Ends. Is he a country music writer? No, he, just was, a, he, was, a, he was a cartoonist. He was a That's cartoonist. So he, was a, he was a cartoonist that wrote for Playboy. And How'd they hook up? He wrote some songs, man. He wrote. Uh, he won a Grammy for he. He wrote uh, a boy named Sue. No, as well. yeah, he did. He's he's just a really prolific writer and thinker. It compared the struggles an average housewife who was stuck at home popping out kids had with the stars of that era that she saw living the good life. Like she mentions, yeah. like Raquel Welch, Elizabeth Taylor, and Jackie Kennedy. Well, so the song is about comparing your life uh, to other people. How often do you do that? Um, a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? But I compare it to people who um have no, there's no similarity in our lives. So I know it's just very, it's just the the part of your brain that's just like, let's sabotage it every minute that we can. Yeah. Right? And you're just like, no, I'm fine. I'm doing fine. It's like, yeah, but are you doing as well as insert person has no relation to anything that you do? And I'm like, I guess not. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I stopped comparing my career to others. I remember yeah. another comedian told me after I did New Faces back in 2013, because I had to go back to work and everybody else was succeeding. I remember I somebody said to me, like, Josh, keep your eyes on your own test, man. This is your test. Don't look yeah. at anybody else's paper. Uh, and so I've been able to. It, it slips in sometimes. Like, I'll go on Instagram. I'll be like, oh, why, why are they on that show? Oh, man, I got to stay off it. You got to stay off Instagram. It's so bad. Yeah. I, it is all fake. It's all bullshit. You know all fun- of it. I, you know what's funny is I took off Instagram for so long, and now I'm like, I like I look at, you know, I get that with the new phone. You get your, like, screen time yeah. average, and I'm like, fuck, What dude, are you averaging? Four hours a day. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's just, it sucks so much time because it's got that whole fucking um, slot machine vibe to it that that's how they manufacture you to get on social media is they give it a slot machine so like you get like nothing nothing and then it shows you something that it knows through the algorithm you want right so then you get a hit of like yeah that's what i want and then you keep going until you get another one oh yeah that's how twitter works that's how instagram works facebook all of those work by like a the, the slot machine um theory Oh, God, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Because I'm just like, you keep digging and digging and yeah. digging. Yeah, and, and you're then... just like, I need to feel, I need to see something I like What's that's going to make me feel good. But what I should be doing is, but here in my apartment, <laughs> I'm just chilling. Lekka is sleeping and the game's on the telly. And I've got some Kratom and my mom is calling, but go fuck Instagram. <laughs> Next song is Rated X. Oh, uh, I love this is the one we were talking one. about earlier, which is like, just play that, like, just Peter, play a little bit of this in, in the background because it's so much fun. It's got that, like, that 60s vibe. Yeah, it's very, like, you can see the shag dress. This is what I wrote down as, this is rock and roll, Loretta. Yeah, this is like her boots are made for walking yes. kind of vibe to it. Yes, still country, but has a real groove to yeah. it. Uh, this is her sixth country chart topper, and Loretta tackles the harsh stigma a woman in the 70s faces after divorce. Yes. Uh, sample lyrics, the woman all look at you like you're bad, and the men all hope you are. But if you go too far, you're going to wear the scar of a woman. Rated X. But she's never been divorced, though, which I was like, that's interesting that she talks about this. Well, nor, never, nor did she ever take the pill, but she wrote a song called The Pill. True. You know, she was speaking up for people that were dealing with stuff. Yeah. You know, Loretta started maturing. She wasn't that little country girl of the past. She, she's now worldly. She's toured, I don't know if she toured the world, if country really made it to, like, Europe and, you know, you know Belfast or some shit, you know. But she was this this person that, that just had a heart and... And, and she was. She knew her fans were dealing with that, so she wanted to get that out. That's yeah. one of the reasons that we love her. So when the f- song first came out, Lynn received letters from women who claimed the song was dirty and offensive towards divorcees. The exact opposite was the song's message. She wrote, "If they had listened real good, they would have gone. They would have got the story right." She explained it in the book "Honky Tonk Girl: The My Life and Lyrics." <laughs> I was taking up. For divorced women. Once you'd have been married, if you got divorced or became widowed, every man takes it for granted that you're available, that you're easy. Maybe it's because they think that because we've been through so much, we're just ready for fun. They don't understand that while some women are like that, most aren't. That's the story I was trying to tell. She was basically talking to men and trying to get them to know the uh, the stories straight. See, I heard it as her being being like, well, 
man, this sucks. You know what I mean? Like not a song for men, but more a song for women. Like, hey, isn't it shitty that like this is the way it is? Like when your best friend's husband starts saying you've been looking good. Yeah. Like, oh, we. I think I think there's that's a huge thing for women is we've all had that moment where like someone who should not be commenting is now suddenly being like, oh, hey, something's changed about you. I, you know, listen, I, I, there are girls that, that I've known that had been in relationships and I've been attracted to, and then the second They're they single. break up, I mean, there might be a little bit like, hey, what's going on? I, I haven't done that in years. I mean, that's more <laughs> of like a 20-something thing yeah. you do. I, I think it's pretty... Oh, there's something different about you. Is it maybe that your pussy's available? Well, I, oh, I, yeah. I mean, how do you feel? Do you feel that if you've, you know, if you've been married... It's not that, the same that's anymore. That's kind of like, and now it gets divorced. It's, it's like, that's like the flag that you're trying to fuck. I don't know. I don't think so. I think I think that now if you're a divorced woman, it's just, you know, I feel like the stigma's worse for divorced men, maybe, especially for a woman dating a divorced guy. It's like, well, how did he fuck up? It's I don't think it's the same for women. No, I think, listen, I think once you, somebody gets married, I think that if, if in the most basic sense of it, it just opens up a guy's brain like, ooh. Like they, uh, she's done married stuff. She's done married stuff. She's done probably butt stuff and <laughs> and other things like that. But let's let's break it down to just the title, rated X. Uh, what are your views on home porn? <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Morty. Um, I've made one. Have you? I've filmed it, but I've just been like, oh, why did we do that? It's not sexy. It's There's really nothing not. sexy about watching yourself fuck. Who was I'm friends with, I mean, I'm, so I'm friends with the porn star, and I've been like, have you watched yourself? Who's the porn star? Um, uh, Carla Lane. I don't know. She's him. a BBW porn star. Oh, okay. She's great. And I've been like, have you watched yourself? She goes, no. <laughs> That's why. Do you watch yourself on camera? Do you like it? And I'm like, no. She's like, yeah, it's the same thing, except that my pussy's out. You so, know what I mean? So it's wait, like. So wait, why did you tell me, like, take us back? Take us I to, think they just wanted, like, they were like, let's yesterday. film it. <laughs> They're like, let's film it. And I was like. All right. And then I was immediately regretted it. And then also when you're doing it, I'm not in the, I'm, it's like, it's so hard for me to be like, I don't know if you have this problem, but I have, when I'm engaged in sexual activities, I'm in it, but then I'm also on the side of it. You, well, you're, it's like an out of body experience. Yeah. Like type I'm thing. watching it. Yeah. So then having a camera there, I was, you know, I'm not into it anymore at all. Cause I'm like, Oh no, it's on camera. I got to watch this stuff. So it's, I think it's more for a guy. I don't know, man. I mean, like, I, I was with a girl, and we, we videotaped a few things. <clears throat> but, and, you know, to be honest with you, like, it's it's like I've watched it recently. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of hot, actually. But uh, I think it also just depends. Like, if you're going to do that, like, you have to be very confident. Yeah. You, you There, <laughs> there can be that. no questioning anything. <laughs> you got to own everything. I'm going to fucking. Yeah, look at that dimple. Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah that's you my dimple. Every flaw, That every roll, noise. that's my fucking roll. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I can't, I can't do that. So you guys never watched it again? I think they, I think they have it on their phone. And I'm just, and they're an ex that I still, like, I don't talk to anime exes except this one. Because we still have sex. Oh, okay. So that's the only so reason. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah. no, that, so obviously he's been respectful. If if he's an ex and you're still going to fuck him, I mean, he's probably, yeah. he's not like a dick, so he's not like showing it to everybody. He's not a, he, I mean, we had some rough parts, but then at the end of the day, it's like, well, sometimes you just can't quit that dick. Yeah. So I know. I know when I get good dick. <laughs> Love is the foundation. This is probably in my top three songs on the record. Uh, 
so powerful. The chorus is so beautiful. Peter, play the chorus. Uh, it's just so great. And love is the foundation we lean on. All you need is love to ease your mind. Um, I fucking love that. It's so beautiful. This is like one of probably the, the few songs on this record that, that really like just stuck with me. There's another one coming up. Um, this was written in 1973 by William Cody Hall. And it's a straight up love song. They say that you can't build anything unless you have a solid foundation. And I've been doing my best to basically rebuild my mind through therapy and crystals and exercise. So what are you doing to build a foundation and to keep you centered? Um, I set goals for myself of things I have to do every day. So like I have to go for a walk, I have to move my body. And I don't want to say... I don't want to say like work out, but I have to move my body in some kind of way that brings me joy, whether or not it's hiking or biking or just another walk, like whatever it is, it has to be joyful. I try to meditate every day. Um, I have to write in a journal. I have to write five things I'm grateful for every day. So those are just like base things I have to do every day. Yeah. Um, and they kind of set me up, which is good. Um, but I just, uh, I'm trying to think. Well, you were talking it's earlier it's right now. It's hard to have a foundation. Yeah, well, you were talking earlier about, you know, about why you feel like you don't deserve it. Like, like w- with all of those steps that you're taking, like, are, are they helping you get to there? Because... I think the, the thing that's been the hardest is is um, loving the imperfection. Because I, I, I'm a perfectionist, and I've, you know, a lot of people who are perfectionists tend to have a lot of, like, uh, like eating disorders and addictive things to d- kind of cope with being imperfect. Yeah. Um. And so I've been trying to accept the imperfections, and with I mean with that, that's where a strong foundation would come from. But it's been man, it's been hard. Yeah. It's so hard, especially too when you've been so so super focused on like on stand up. It makes and then you look kind of like it's I'm at the 10 year mark, you know, I'm going on 11. So now I'm like, well, I want more. I want other things in my life that aren't just stand up. And then it's like, well, then I don't have the tools to know what to do with that. Yeah. Is the, I don't, I don't express it. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. Why don't you, what are, what are the tools you think you need? Like just, I, I feel like, are you a romantic? Yes, I, I am. I, I, I think that there's somebody out there for me. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I've, I don't know if I've ever actually really been in love. You know, yeah. I think I have. But um, from what you, you see in the movies and you read about, about what actually love is. Yeah. I mean, it's like I've never, like, just felt like I was dying because somebody left, yeah. you know. so Well, that's, I mean, all that stuff is prefab. It's not. And none of that is what I've none of what the movies sell us. Like this whole idea of romance is very new. Do you listen to Alan DeBotton? No, I don't. He's a philosopher. He's really great. He talks about love. He had this great TED talk about why you will marry the wrong person. And just kind of this concept of love and what we think of it nowadays is very like romance. And this person should know what I'm thinking at all times. And all this kind of crazy stuff where if anyone else like if I was if I was sitting here and being like, why you ask me questions? You should know what I'm thinking. You'd be like, you're crazy. 
Why do we expect that of someone else? Do you know what I mean? Like, just like our concept of what love is, is not truly what love and bonding is. And like finding a person that compliments you and, and is there for the, for the struggle in the long haul when the romance kind of, you know, the butterflies go away. Um, and he talks about that very, very well, totally silent, but I just want to get to a, like a little different space, but maybe it's always going to be like, you're always trying to get to somewhere different. So then you'll never have that foundation. No, it sounds so weird, but it started with the dog. Yeah. Getting that dog just was like, okay, I need to be a little bit more responsible. I need to do this. I need to get my life on a routine. And luckily be me being an addict, everything now it's like I do almost everything the same time every day I have this routine you know yeah. and, and if we want to take that in terms of of love um like I I feel like now I'm ready to love somebody yeah now I am because I love myself now because I lived in the past for so long and all those mistakes that I made I wore just like yeah. a cloak and I would just go out into the world and act like I was normal and I was okay, but I wasn't. And, and then about, you know, a year and a half ago where I, I had this out of body experience with this clairvoyant and it just said, I was just like, wow, it's like, there's so much more to, to, to me and it's okay to be me. And I started going to a spiritual guide and he started working on me, helping me know that I am okay. Yeah. And now it's like I, I, I love all those mistakes I made because it got me to here. And this is really cool where, where I'm at right now. Like I'm really happy with everything. Uh, and I think maybe that's why like I chose certain girls that I, that I wanted because maybe I, I felt like that's what I deserved. And now it's like I'm very – the reason I'm not dating is because I'm, I'm waiting for somebody. I know yeah. that she's out there. And, be, and it's only because I've worked on myself and made me a better person that I now feel – like I, I can, I can really have love yeah. and cause you have to love yourself before you can love somebody else. Well, I you think know? that that's the biggest thing is, is once you be, it, it, once you come to the enoughness of it is when you'll find someone who will also be enough. I feel like I'm at the point where everyone, no one feels enough for me Yeah, cause I'm not enough for myself or they're too much. Yeah. So you deserve it. You deserve it. You're I, such I a good know. person, man. I'm not trying to say yeah. that because we're, we're we're recording. Like, <laughs> I have so much respect for you. I think you're so funny. I think that you're you're beautiful. I just think you're just just Thank inside you. it out. Like you just have a great energy, and you know you make so many people happy. So you really just need to 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 be able to you know not just don't judge yourself and just and just like just be okay. Yeah. And it's hard. It's, it's hard. There's so many people that have, that are way better off than both of us and they hate themselves. Yeah. That's what, that's the thing. It doesn't, it never, it like, it doesn't change unless you fix it now. Yeah. It will not change. You are still in this body. You are still in this person. You are still who you are, no matter how much money you get and fame you get and whatever it is. And if you don't fucking fix it now, you are set up for disaster no matter what. Yeah. It's heavy. Let's lighten it up with <laughs> Louisiana woman, Mississippi man. Oh yeah, here's a love story. Mississippi River King. I did have to think about geography when I when I listened to this. So I was like, are they across? Each other? This one's catchy as fuck, dude. Play that hook, dude. 
I liked this song so much that when I was listening to this record and I did a show at the Comedy Store and they yeah. they have like the DJ there and I was like, dude, can you play this song? And they brought me up on stage. Really? Oh my god, that's what this 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 show's been doing. I found fell in love with so many songs that every time I do a show and they're like, what do you want to be brought up to? I'm like, oh, not the hoople, fucking uh, so one of the boys. Oh, it's just it's deep. But yeah. this one's fun. And this was their this was this peaked at number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot Country Singles Chart. Written in 1973, uh, this was the third number one for Conway and Loretta. And lyrically, it's just about how the Mississippi River is not wide enough to keep these two lovers apart. The song's basically about a long-distance relationship. Um, have you ever been in a long-distance relationship? Mm, yes, it lasted like two months. Two months? Why was yeah. it so hard? Um, you know what it was is like uh, we both had very, very. We we're both. We found each other in Madison, Wisconsin, where I had done a show. It was a Tinder date, mm-hmm. and then we just like ended up talking a lot. And then they came to visit me, and um, I think we both just were too insecure to be dating each other. And then I kind of like got out of them that they didn't want me to come visit them for yeah. the next thing, even though I'd already bought the ticket. And then I went Do crazy. Do you think our immediate ability to stay in touch all the time, if we choose to, is helping or hurting relationships? Hurting. Oh, way more. I mean, there have been times where I've gone through an entire relationship in texting conversation before we even met. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then it just ends. And you're like, oh, okay. I thought things were fine. And you don't get it. And texting is like the most cold way to communicate with anyone. You know, I think I, I like phone conversations. A lot of people don't. Like, I love talking on the phone. When does a guy go from being attractively attentive to annoyingly needy? Um, When I don't like them anymore. Has that happened a That's lot? A, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll switch on a dime. I don't know why. Why do you switch? You is know, it- they might just say something where I'm like, no. Or the way they smell. If I don't like the way they smell, forget it's it. It's over. It's so over. Well, I remember when, because I, you know, when I was younger, I, I used to really, I was just so, I was, uh, it's the best way to put it. I was uh, of mice and men. I was the, you know, look at the kitty soft. Yeah. And then I just. Lenny? St- I'd Lenny it. I'd <laughs> strangle it. I remember I, I was DJing this party and I met this girl um, that showed up to, she wanted to be a, a private party DJ like I was. And she yeah. showed up. And uh, and I and the, my boss didn't tell me she was coming by, but she was like, "Yeah, I just talked to Steve, and so I'm just gonna watch you." We started talking. She was so beautiful, had such a nice little butt, and I always remember that she was a dancer too, like a professional dancer. Yeah. She did studied dance. I'm not like a stripper. And we hit it off, and I got her number, and then we hung out the next night. And I remember I picked her up from some like it wasn't a conference, but it was like a seminar of like, she was trying to build businesses. She was like this like 19 or 20 year old girl that maybe 21. I don't even know how old she was. We did meet in a bar eventually, but she, it was just, we, I picked her up from there and I took her to a fair and we went to the fair together and it was really fun. And then we went to the national cathedral because she lived in the district. That's like, like this old, like cathedral, like tabernacle looking place. And we made out, and it was really sweet. That and, is really sweet. And I dropped her off, and, and I was like, Yo, I'll call you tomorrow. And then the next day, this is before cell phones, and the next day, I probably called her house a oh, hundred no. times. No! I'm crazy? I mean, this is, You're this crazy. is young Josh. This is 21-year-old Josh. Not- Where was your favorite first kiss? 
fuck. I don't know, man. I mean, my my first kiss? No, like with, like with someone. I haven't had that one yet. Really? I haven't had that one that's like blown me away and just been, you know, like like where you just feel it. Like I've, yeah. I've had, I've you know, dude. There were a lot of a lot of the the kisses and the and you know that I had for years were just with people I didn't care about. You know, yeah. I don't. I, I lost my virginity to a girl. I don't even know her name. Ooh. I just met her. You know, all I remember is she wore leopard panties. <laughs> And I always talk about this. I remember I met. She wanted it, dude. I met her. I met her in Myrtle Beach, and I remember I kicked my <laughs> friends out of the hotel room. And I, later now we started making out, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm about to have sex. And then I was like, better make it special, Josh. Don't fuck this up. So I was like, here, wait here for a second. And then I ran to the ice box <laughs> and I got an ice cube, and then I rubbed it on her vagina. What? <laughs> Ultimate pleasure. That's what I wanted to give her. What is wrong with I don't you? know. I don't know. You made her vagina cold. I, I made her. I. I. I fucking. I, right on her clitoris, and she was like, ah. <laughs> Can we just end the podcast there? All right, guys. That's all we got. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. And then I, I remember like Look, I licked a guy's face one time. So I mean Ice on the pussy for a girl that I've never met. I, I don't know wow. her name. I don't know her name. I think her name was Jenny. You know she has that that's her memory is like this one guy <laughs> put ice on my pussy. Yeah, the guy that created the the comedy jam <laughs> on Comedy Central once <laughs> once froze oh, my clit. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it just reminds me of this joke. I had a friend in Boston who used to talk about that her mom one time told her, like, never trust a man who wants to put ice in your vagina. Well, <laughs> I'm evil. That's what I am. I'm I'm the devil, guys. It's, it's my problem. Uh, man, what's next? <laughs> Trouble in paradise, which is what I was having if Myrtle you Beach were. is paradise. It's upbeat. It's catchy. A little bit more rock than the other stuff on the record. Uh, definitely sounds like she's got the rock and roll influence of the time coming yeah. in. This is written in 74. You know, you can kind of hear it. You were talking women's about women's lib is happening. Women's lib. You could, uh, you could kind of hear like the, you were talking about the way Rated X has that like shimmy, that shaky, yeah. the tassely. That's what I felt about this song. Uh, here she's blaming another woman for her man acting out and thinks she's going to love him back harder to get back in his heart. Uh, yeah, that happens every time. Happens every time. <laughs> this is this is a lot of the same on this record. All right, now we're at your song, the one you brought up earlier, When the Tingle Becomes oh, a Chill. I love this song because right. this is so... This, this song for me has been... So my one like really big relationship that kind of haunts me is talks about this where it, it just everything should have worked it should have been like the best relationship they were the nicest boyfriend I ever had they were lovely they loved me so much it was great but I just didn't I just couldn't feel it back yeah and 
it was three years of just like of just uh you know waking up and crying like listening to songs about like loving like not being able to love oh my god what's that one song uh if i can't make you love me oh if i, I can't, can't make you love me. me yeah the uh what bonnie ray oh my god i would cry and listen to that song hit it peter yeah let's do it back in me. also prince did a remix of that song that is hilarious but anyways uh, <laughs> at the end he's like he talks about like let me open your legs the cathedral of love it's like some weird that sounds talk. like prince yeah pretty much <laughs> Um, oh, girl, I'm going to play with your tabernacle. But just, <laughs> but just like this idea of like one day, if for whatever reason, it just, you stop loving them and and it's, what do you do? Yeah. It's just so sad. It, it's, you know, what's funny is that I, I didn't realize that this was what the song was about. And now that I, I've heard you explain it, it's like it actually makes complete sense. Uh, if she wakes up crying, like she's crying. Yeah. And I'm just like, I never meant to fall out of love with you. Yeah. But what do you do when that tangle becomes a chip? So that was a three-year relationship? Yeah. Three. So when did you know that it was over? Six months. Yeah. Fuck, dude. I tried breaking up with them at six months. And I mean, I loved them. I really did love them. I just feel like I wasn't in a place where I should have been in a relationship with anyone. And I just fought it. I just fought it so hard. Yeah. I, I didn't like myself. They, um, they loved me. And they, you know, I remember asking them, like, what they were passionate about. And they were like, you. I'm passionate about you. And I just was like. Oh, oh no. boy! Oh, oh boy! God. Um, yeah, I just didn't. I just couldn't. I couldn't understand. I didn't understand why this this person loved me so much, or what that was like, yeah. kind of thing. And uh, yeah, and then I had to move. I moved. That's how you got out of it. You I moved. moved. I moved from Boston to New York, and that was the only way. Would it probably would have ended. And we still like occasionally for like. The last, like, not recently, but, like, two years after, I would occasionally, like, sleep together and have very angry, like, weird sex. Um, but, like, I recently... Uh, Feel this. Feel that chill? Used to be tingly. Yeah. Now it's chilly. It's like ice on my pussy. <laughs> Bringing it back around. Bringing it back. Nice call back. Um, is he doing okay? He's great. Yeah. He's doing great. I mean, when we were together, I, you know, he wasn't ambitious, which I find very attractive. I love ambitious people. Yeah. Um, think, I think because I want to be ambitious. I look for what I want myself in a mate, which is probably not healthy. And now they're like, you know, the last time I talked to them, they reminded me how much money they make now. And I'm like, okay, cool. She's still kind of boring. So Is he really making a lot of money? Yeah, he's a real estate agent now. Oof. In, in yeah, Boston. Minnesota, in Boston. Yeah, he's making. He makes good money and like would like secretly slip it into our conversation, and then I was just like, "Oh, really? I made, I made uh, about two figures more than that this year." But you know, whatever, whatever, dude. Like, it's just I can see that he still really resents me and doesn't like me. Yeah, well, you know, you kept him along for fucking. I kept trying to break up, and he would just keep coming back. 
I I tried to do the responsible thing. I honestly did, and it just well, you can't when you don't listen when you don't feel it. You don't feel it. There was like, yeah. I met a girl recently, and she was everything I've ever wanted in a girl, and I just wasn't there. Why and do you think? Just one of those wasn't there, or is it deeper? I think it was honestly. I just think there was no sexual chemistry. Oh, that's important. And and I just wasn't as attracted to her. Mm-hmm. And um, but she's so she was perfect. But yeah. I just I just wasn't there. And I can't you can't uh, fabricate that. Like it has to be. Yeah. You have to have. Which is the title of the next song. Feelings. <laughs> Play the opening, Peter, because it's a very pretty love song. This 1975 track is the fifth and final number one country hit for the duo of Conway and Loretta. This time feelings are to blame for leading them. Um, basically, it's about falling in love. Uh, what's the fastest you've ever fallen and why? I've fallen in infatuation. I don't think I've been in love since my first boyfriend. Yeah. Like truly in love. Well, what makes you infatuated? Um, I don't know. There's just something about them and you can't, you can't stop it. There was, we're friends now, but there was a guy I remember, um, who I was obsessed with. I like, I was so quote unquote in love with this person. Um, and I just remember seeing them and they were a comic and I just remember seeing them on stage and I just, I saw them and it just, I don't know. It just hits you. You just can't help it. That's that love at first sight I want to suck Andy Kindler's Uh, dick. Andy (laughs) Kindler, get over you angry Jew. Oh, let's complain together. No, but it's just, I don't know. You just, there's just something about them and I don't know what it is. I I loved the way they smelled. I loved the way I loved holding them. You're big into the smells. I'm super into smells, yeah. but that's like, that's totally like, a, that's everybody though, man. Yeah. Smell smells very, very important. You yeah. know, if I, there was a girl hands who, too. I'm into hands. If you've got weird hands, I can't, I can't do it. Weird nails. Let me see. Oh, they're fine. Yeah. I just cut them last night cause they yeah. were a little, they were a little long, but I take care of it. But I got these weird calluses like, the, Oh, from <laughs> fucking being tough. <laughs> <laughs> Crossfit. You just have a stroke right there. You're like <laughs> being tough. <laughs> Uh, I used to fall in love very quickly. Not fall in love, but fall in infatuation. Yeah. Very, very quickly when I was younger. I just wanted a girlfriend so bad between uh, 24 till about 28. Until I moved out here. Yeah. There were a couple girls up front when I first moved out here that, you know, I just... I just wanted a girlfriend. I really, I didn't really have my first girlfriend until I was twenty, like real girlfriend, like yeah. over like six months until I was like twenty eight. Wow. Yeah. What were you doing? Sex. Okay. Lots of sex. I was sleeping with a lot of women. Yeah. Just meaningless sex. I think that's why I'm I'm not sleeping with anybody right now because I value it more. I want it to be special. What was it about that person that made you made the switch? She wanted to keep me around. I think I don't know. It was just so like, you didn't even know if it was of your own volition. I you were just, just like, oh, she, okay. Thought, I, she was very hot, and people were like, dude, she's really hot. And she just took care of me, and, and you know, I'm a broke comic. It was yeah. just, it was like nice to have somebody like give me that kind of attention. She, we built a home together, and we had dogs and just everything. But I mean, I don't know if if it was really more than if it was love or just the security. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like I said, I don't know if I've ever really been in love. Every girl that I've been with has been very, like, they just take care of me. 
And I don't want that anymore. Now it's like, I want you to have your life. I want to have my life. And I want to have that little Zen diagram where we just yeah. meet in the middle and we're perfect. But um, I haven't found it yet. Looking. Yeah. I haven't found it. But I used this to This is the worst city. To, I'm sorry. This is the worst city to look for it. I yeah. don't care what people say. LA is the, it's the garbagiest ever. It, it's definitely, it just depends on what you're, there's, it's out there. It's definitely out yeah. there. I don't know if I want to meet somebody that's in the entertainment industry. And I always think I, I kind of like go, oh, well, you do that. You're, you're a, you're an actress. Fuck. It's yeah, like, but I, there's, there is something undeniable about that is attractive and sexy about people who have that interest. But it's also of, like of like acting or comedy. Like I've still, I've vowed to not date comics, but I still find myself all the time being like, oh, that, yeah, right there. That's what I want. Yeah. And I think that maybe it just comes from like the validation we both share. It's also what you see. Desires for validation. It's also what you see because you're doing it most nights. Mm-hmm. You know, out of my head and back in my bed. This is a long fucking album, dude. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is a good, just like, uh, you know, I miss you. Why yeah. You? It's it kind of reminded me of Diana Ross and the Supremes. Play a little bit of the chorus, Peter. Uh, this is uh, from 77. It was uh, one of her last solo number one country toppers. And it's basically saying how to get over somebody, you have to get under somebody. That is a that's a great uh, piece of advice. It feels like a very grandma advice. Have you uh, do you find that sex is important in your relationships? Um, it's important. Like I want it to be good. Yeah. Um, I think that the what you need is you need someone who fulfills you spiritually, uh, mentally, and sexually. No, I like that. And if you don't have all three, like you, because I've I mean I've had partners who have like fulfilled me. Very much sexually, very much mentally, but there was no like spiritual connection or it's been like great mental, great spiritual, but no physical connection to them. And it's just like, well, then what do you do? Yeah, dude, it's got you got to have the complete package. Have you ever have you ever stayed with somebody because the sex was good? Yeah. It's happening right now. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) can't quit that dick. Have you ever broken up with somebody because the sex was bad? Um. No, no, I don't, I don't think I have. I think um, I pretty much won't let it go any further than that. I've definitely fucked people because it was so funny and done that for a while. Not relationship wise, like on one of I do it on like first Conan special, but I talk about how I had a relationship with a Hasidic Jew with an ex Hasidic Jew. So he had left. And he was just a Jew. Modest Yahoo. Yeah, I fucked Modest <laughs> Yahoo. It was great. No, but he had like full Yiddish. That was his first language, the accent, and it was just, to me, it was just very of a comical situation. Yeah. So we fucked for about six months. He would show up every once every three weeks, and I'd be like, can you wear wear the tzitzis for me? <laughs> and he would. <laughs> he would show up, and I'd be like, oh, hi. He just comes out. He just comes out. He's like, he's like, put some music on real quick, and then he puts <laughs> like <laughs> like sunrise, sunset off the Fiddler in the Roof soundtrack, and he's just Hell wearing yeah. it. He's just got his talis on. He's just like, you ready for this shit? Because I'm going to stup you. I'm going to stup you, I loved pussy. it. Oh, my God. He would, the, he would only dirty talk in Yiddish, and we would um, – I did. I joke about it, but I really did be, like do like a landlord role play. Why not? I lived in Brooklyn. Why not? No one knew. It was fun. That's great. I mean, I uh... <laughs> I fuck people with weird jobs. I've fucked magicians. I've fucked wrestlers. Keep going. <laughs> um, if you have a weird job, I like I love it even more. Um, 
the Hasidic carpenter. Um, I have to go through my roster of people with weird jobs I've fucked. Does comic count? I mean, that's I mean, a weird, that's for a weird someone job. Else, yeah. it's a weird job. That's definitely a weird job. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody somewhere don't know what he's missing tonight. Lord, here sits a woman just lonesome enough to be right. Uh, what are some of the personality traits that you know some of your past lovers in particular are missing about you? Like, the, oh, that they miss about me? Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm fun. I'm definitely a fun person. I'm always up for adventure. I love going on excursions. Um, I love history. And so, like, I would always take my boyfriends. <laughs> no, we would go to, like, Will- Colonial Williamsburg. They learned shit about they learned they were there shit. with me. They learned shit. Sturbridge Village, like, any kind of living history. I'm all, I just, I'm, like, fun, and I travel a lot, so they always got, like, travel perks where they could just be like, oh, where are you going? And I'd be like, well, do you want to come this, this? Like, I used to take the X, to. We went to, like, Fredericksburg, and then went to Oy. Williamsburg. And then, These are the like, worst places in the world. My parents yeah, but they take have me to Williamsburg Fredericks- once. Okay, don't you dare. Dude, it's, don't it's you terrible. Dare. It's Jamestown? Ah, oh, I love it. Oh, my. Okay, they have this event there that uh, called, it's uh, a two-day event where they have military enactments over 2,000 years of military enactments. And I just go there and I just look at the costumes and all the old shit. And I love it. That's like, I love it. And I, I, I know I'm out. <laughs> You're out. I'm out. Dude. Okay. Bye. That's so bad. Like, <laughs> my parents took me there. I was like, this is the most boring vacation. Okay. But I lived ever... in the Midwest where there was nothing old. No, I get it. You're surrounded by old stuff all the time. No, I get it. But so, so that guys, guys love your, your fun. I think they like my, I have weird passions. I'm willing. I'm, I'm so down to do anything. I'm very, what is it? Uh, what's the term? Your, uh, GGG. I don't understand. What is it? <laughs> it's like a it's like a sex term of like good, good uh, willing something about you're just down for whatever. So maybe you, maybe I made it up. I don't know. No no no. I, I might have heard that. So you're just down for whatever. You I'm think down that- for whatever. I'm fun. Um, I'm also, also I love taking care of people. Like I will cook you dinner. I will like I'm feminist, but I'm also like I love taking care of people. I love like being a mom feeling like that mom vibe. Like I love doing that stuff. Do you find a lot of ex-boyfriends come back or they try to come back? Yeah. I mean, all my relationships have had several breakups. So it's them. never just, it's never just by, it's just like, well, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe you're wrong. We should try this again. Have you had, have you had, says that happened like, uh, like recently Has somebody come back into your life or, um, no, I mean, the the one that I still see occasionally, it's like they live in New York. So it's like when I'm there, we hang out and we do fun stuff together and sleep together. And then when I'm gone, it's like Los <laughs> Angeles woman, yep. New York man. We get together when I go on the road, <laughs> stay in Queens and I suck dick. And then we go out for stick. Pretty meat much. Stick. <laughs> stick meat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All that queen specialty stick yeah, meat. Yeah, it's like like la la. <laughs> you want crab grass? <laughs> Give me that old stick meat. I fucking love stick meat. It's so good. But um, yeah, they just never. They just don't end. That's I just when I find something I like, I stick to it. It's very hard for me to let it go. <laughs> She's got you. This is Ray Charles Blues to me. It's uh, a love song, uh, and it's just so beautiful. Play the bridge at 2.04, Peter. 
Written in 1977, this number one country topper was originally a number one country topper for a good friend of hers, Patsy Cline, in 1962. And it's a song about the material possessions that are left over after a relationship. It's very, very pretty. Yeah. Are you a sentimental kind of pack rat that keeps mementos from past relationships? Yeah, I have a box. A box? It's in my closet, and it contains letters and photographs and little gifts and things that I will never throw away, but I don't look at. And, you know, Dylan Morin has a great joke about this. What is it? About how, like, women have, like, letters that are just like, I'll keep the letters, but I'll never look at them. I'm just like, we're sentimental because it's it's always nice to be reminded that at one time you were loved. No, I, I understand yeah. that. I mean, I, I keep, uh, like, I'm not... Like a hoarder per se, but I mean, I keep a lot of shit I should just throw out. Yeah. And I think it's just about life. So if you're with somebody for three years, like I don't delete the pictures. Like it's not like if it's a yeah. bad break, I'm like, fuck this person. But what's oh, yeah, my what? Facebook still, you can you can go back right now and see all my exes. She's so incredible. I love you, Loretta. I wish I could go to your birthday party tonight. Let's go. Uh, Do you know that? Uh, I would ask this question, but it's I feel like we've already answered this one 25 times. <laughs> How hard is it for you to let go of someone? <laughs> I have a box, okay? Yeah, you get it. That's, that's how hard it is. I have a box in my closet buried away. Do you want to do, uh, do, do some facts? Yeah, let's do some facts. When we do some facts, we can fax you anymore. <laughs> Lynn named her 1976 autobiography after the song Coal Miner's Daughter. In 1980, it was adopted into the biopic... Coal Miner's Daughter with Sissy Spacek yeah. in the lead role. Well, I'm proud to be a coal I love Sissy. I, she was so cute throughout the whole movie. Uh, what is something that you've done that you're most proud of? Um, like, does it be career-wise or does anything? Whatever. Um, I am really proud of myself that I was um, dating someone and I stood up for myself. And I stopped it before it went um, too far, which I would not have done in the past. Yeah. And since we're talking about relationships, I think for me it was a big deal to look at myself and say, that's not something I want. And I did it. Good for you. Also, I've been like in movies and stuff. Yeah, I know, but like, it's, 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 I think probably the most thing I'm most proud of is, is getting off of Oxycontin. Yeah, I'm that's really a big proud deal. Of that. I'm really proud that I had my moment where I was like, where I remember I was like, somebody asked me, he's like, when are you going to stop? And I was like, probably when I die. Or he goes, Ooh. then he goes, or you'll be the guy that's 50 years old hanging out at the comedy store that almost had a TV show. And I went, <gasps> that was worse. Because I saw you. that guy. I yeah. saw him there. And I was like, I don't want that. Like, I want to fucking, I, I, yeah, because I can ruin it all. And that's when I stopped. May 17th. 2016. It's coming up. It'll be oh, three years. Yep. Are you gonna do a little thing? No. Okay. I'm doing. I'm doing a little thing. It's this yeah. podcast. It's Take like your I dog would, for a nice long walk. I do. We go to the dog park every day. The dog's doing good. Uh dog's got a yeah, fucking I'm, great. You see I, the you see the size of that it. bully stick I gave her? Look, she no, that gone. was like thirty dollars. Yeah, she's out for the count. Yeah, she's having. She a, got that dick. She's having a sleep sleep. Um, here we go. Lynn's father, Theodore Webb. Uh, was an actual coal miner who made 25 cents an hour. He faced risks 
of collapses, gas explosions, and gas poisoning, and a host of potential illnesses every day. And if he was lucky, he could bring home a few dollars for his trouble. Wow. Webb lost his job at the Van Leer coal mines when he suffered a stroke when he was already suffering from uh, pneumo. And he basically had black lung. I can't pneumonia? even say Pneumonia? No, it's not pneumonia. It's like nuconosis. I can't say. It's a big oh, word. okay. Do you want to try? No. It's called black lung. Yeah. chronic lung disease from regularly breathing in the dust in the mines. He would die of another stroke in 59 at age 51. Oh, that's yeah. so sad. What's the worst job you ever had? Um. You're like, I'm a coal miner. <laughs> <laughs> it it was the worst in what I had to do, but it was also the best. For Okay, so I used to fit orthotics for old people. Like, I worked at an orthotic shop for 10 years. You, my family would have loved you. Yeah. I'm the only one that doesn't have orthotics. Really? Yeah, well, dude, I'll talk a, to you about it later. They all had to slip in. <laughs> so from age, like, 14 till I was 24, because my brother owned the store. So the great thing was is I worked for family, so anytime I wanted to go out and do, and I had shows, they'd let me leave early, they'd let me come in late. It was a very easy job. But I just had to, like, touch people's feet and, like, put my hand in their shoes all the day. Oh, God. Get in how, the shoes. Oh, God, that must have been disgusting. Yes. How, how fucked up were the feet? Oh, my God. There is one guy, I'll never forget him, he had no bones in his toes. Jelly he, toes? Yeah, jelly toes. <laughs> they would shake when he walked, and it was horrifying. But he had neuropathy and in his feet, and the doctors just took the bones out of his toes because his, his toes would run up, rub up against the inside of his shoes. So they're just like, you don't need these. Let's make your toes Jelly. movable. Oh. It was horrifying. But he was so ha- like, I got him into a pair of shoes, and he was so happy. Oh, well, it's kind of fulfilling. He was, he was like, he's like, I can never find shoes that fit, and these are great. And I was like, go on there, jelly toes. <laughs> go ahead. You live your life with your... <laughs> With your flimsy feet. With your little, uh, what's the little, the little tiny cocktail weenies? Cocktail weenies, that's yeah. what they're called. Yeah, cocktail, cocktail weenie, weenie toes. What's my worst job? Worst job, I, mean, I could say DJing at the strip club, but I made a lot of money. Um, yeah. I did develop a crippling uh, drug addiction, but um, Lido's Pizza. There was this guy, oh man, the, the manager there, he was so mean to us. Yeah. He used to eat raw meat. I thought it was so what disgusting. The fuck? Yeah. He used to but he was such a dick. I worked there for like He ate raw meat? He ate raw meat, like uncooked like uh hamburger meat. Just uncooked. He would always eat it and it was just he was such That's a fucking dick, crazy. dude. Crazy. Yeah, he was a dick. He um I think I worked there for like four days. I don't know. Cut my part out, Peter. I'm sorry. If I had to work with someone who ate raw meat, I would leave that day. I'd be like, no way. No way. That guy's going to eat me. He had, was probably wanted to eat you. Did you ever have tartar? I ate tuna tartar. I don't like steak tartar. Yeah, it's a little weird. Because it's there's, weird. There's like a Persian place that if it was open, I'd say we'd go there because it's so good. Uh, and then we could get this big platter. All right. Ooh. Moving on. Yeah. We're doing it. I have so much more shit, but I'm just oh trying to get God. the best stuff. I'm just trying to get the best <laughs> stuff. I know. Thank you for sticking around. Uh, where are we? <clears throat> when Lynn wrote the song Coal Miner's Daughter, it had four additional verses that her producer, Owen Bradley, told her to remove. He said, there's already been one El Paso, and there's never going to be another one. So I fiddled around and fiddled around and finally got four verses that I took off. I wish I hadn't, but I did. Sadly, these verses were lost forever as Lynn left them in the studio. Oh. What is a part of your career you lost and will never get back? Dude, I don't know. 
they were like, they're like, yeah, we'll re-release it, but it never did. And no one, my management didn't push for it. So mm. yeah, Which, by the way, I am a free lady. There you go, everybody. <laughs> She's free. We got a, we got an idea. Loretta's husband, Oliver Doolittle Lynn, bought the $17 budget-friendly Gibson guitar at Sears and Roebuck for his wife of, of a few years. Uh, Loretta quickly began writing her own songs. Who has contributed the most to your career? My mom. How so? She kidnapped uh, me she and kidnapped said, me. be until you die. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, she just gives me a lot of... She gives me a lot of material, which is great. Um, but overall, I think also my brother has contributed because he gave me so much free time and wanted me to succeed so much. Yeah. And it's just really helped me like bloom. And he's been so supportive. He's an opera singer. So is he? He's an opera singer. And then he got married and had kids and it kind of stopped it for a bit. So I feel like with him is he wanted that and didn't happen. So he's like, I'll help my sister. And then now he's back to doing opera. It's really great. While growing up in Butcher Hollow, Kentucky, the Webb family had a hard time keeping their small cabin warm in the winter. They couldn't even afford wallpaper to help add insulation to the walls for their eight children. But Loretta's mom found a way to fight the cold. She glued pages of a Sears catalog to the walls instead. What is something thrifty that you do to save money? And we'll end on this. Uh, well, I don't glue pages of a catalog. I didn't anything. think so. Um, what do I do to save money? <laughs> I don't know. I try to cook at home. But, you know, I used to have a business where I used to uh, flip vintage clothing. Did you? Yeah. I used to flip uh, plus size vintage on Etsy. And that's how I was paid for my comedy career in the beginning is I quit my job. Just did comedy and vintage. Well, are you good with money or how no? Do you do terrible this? with money. You're terrible with money. Terrible. Why? Um, because I spend more than I have, and I'm very bad at keeping up with the payments on stuff. I made a lot of money last year, and then I ended up being thousands of dollars in debt by the end of it. Really? Yeah. Why? What do you buy? You travel a lot. I th- it's a lot of travel. It's like travel, and then you're always eating on the road. So it's like. It's expenses for living your life on the road. Yeah. Which are going to be triple what they normally would be. And just like, I mean, I also, I went to Iceland. I went to Europe. I went to Japan. Like, I had fun. I had a great time That's last year. That's what you're supposed to do with your money. That's what I'm you supposed to do. You can't take it with you. No. Um, but what you can do is take this episode and put it in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> because... <laughs> It's just great. I love you so much, Jenny. Thank, Thank you, for you for coming up. Me. You are my favorite. This is fun. I loved it. Thank you for all the pep talks. nothing. How much fun was that, Fleece? For all things Jenny Zagrino, go to her website, JennyZagrino.com. And it's Jenny Zagrino on all social media. Her last name is spelled Z-I-G-R-I-N-O. You can catch her in Fairbanks, Alaska, April 17th through the 20th. And go to the Team Coco YouTube page to check out her incredible Conan set that was posted in March. 
I'll also be posting her mixtape track listing link. If you go to our website, you can find every comedian and actor that has done this show. They've made a mixtape for you guys, and you can find it all at the500podcast.com. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Tell me if you like it. Tell me if you don't like it. Just email us. Start the conversation, guys. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. And for all tickets, like you can, what do we got coming up? Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. And also, we got a few shows coming up. April 16th, I'm doing two Shimmy Shimmy Yas at the Comedy Store. Go to the Comedy Store's website for details. And the end of this month in Austin, Texas, guys, I will be at Moon Tower Comedy Festival doing a live 500 podcast taping. Uh, Big J's going to be there. Scalar Brothers are going to be there. And we're doing, well, I'll leave that a secret. But it's going to be great. Come to the live taping. Uh, should I just say it? We're going to be doing Def Leppard Hysteria. We're doing Def Leppard Hysteria at the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. It's going to be phenomenal. So let's make sure you guys are there. Follow one of my writers, DJ Morty Coyle, and check out him and his daughter singing many songs from the 500 on their Instagram account, at B and Daddy Cartoons. Also, we've created a Patreon page, guys. Join the 500 Club where you guys can get the podcast a day earlier on Record Store Tuesdays. You get the full uncut episodes, interview extras. It's the shit. We've got our own podcast that we're releasing on the Patreon. Last week's was me and Ryan Sickler talking about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So much fun, guys. So you can sign up for that at the500podcast.com for all details on the Patreon membership. Now, we just listened to Loretta Lynn from, I mean, her whole career. Here is an artist that is directly influenced by this artist. From New Jersey, we have Nicole Atkins with her song, A Dream Without Pain. If you guys were in a band and were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured at the end of the 500, send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com and make sure you put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject. Next week is Merle Haggard Week with his 1996 compilation, Down Every Road. It's a long one. I don't expect you to listen to all of it, but listen to as much as you can. So y'all got some homework to do. Stay
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Next Chapter Podcasts.